Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts you're listening to fox sports radio radio Uh, A special Saturday edition. It's not a holiday, Bucky, when you and I get together. Honestly, I only thought we got together on Thanksgiving and Christmas, but I am very thankful to be with you on this uh, beautiful summer Saturday afternoon. What up, what up, what up, Bayer? How you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good. I guess it's not even technically summer yet if you go by the calendar, but uh, but man, I'll tell you what, if there was ever, if there was ever a time that I wanted to team up with Bucky Brooks, uh, this is the absolute ideal weekend because oh, yeah? we've got Aaron Rodgers in the news. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got Russell Wilson in the news. Oh, uh, two, two, two of my favorites, two of my uh, favorite babies. Uh, one, uh, Julio Jones is now a member of the mm-hmm. Tennessee Titans, so we can uh, dive into that. And the place that actually I want to start out, college freaking football. It is amazing how long it took the powers that be in the world of college football to expand what would be a two-team playoff where we would just have the one game. And it took years for them to even get one versus two together to now then go to four schools in the playoff and then decide, you know what, in just a matter of a snap of the fingers, that we are expanding to 12 schools. But that's where we are as the college football playoff really, to me, is the biggest story of the week. Uh, Going to recommend that they expand the college football bracket from four schools all the way up to 12. So when you hear that college football is expanding, 
Bucky Brooks, what rang in your ears when that news broke earlier this week? I mean, they needed the money, for one. And it was about time. It was about time that they expanded the playoffs because when you look at the lower levels, all those teams have – all those levels have 16 teams playing in a playoff. So we knew it could be done, right? So what was the holdup? Um, the pandemic gave us an opportunity because of the depreciated revenues and those things that we have to make up for it. The bowl games, head Wayne players were opting out of bowl games like never before. And so really to preserve the game, they had to expand the playoffs to get more teams in the mix and kind of sell them on that pipe dream because, Dan, as you know it, nothing's going to change. It's going to be the same four teams in the Final Four, but it just takes them a little longer to get there. It's the biggest misconception that I've, that I've heard throughout the last couple of days is that people were sick of Alabama and they were sick of Clemson. They were sick of Ohio State. Guess what? You're going to get them every single year now because of this. <laughs> that is that – is, it, it, it's not like they're going to go away. Like those schools now will even have more of a chance. I mean, look at how many times Alabama – who only missed the playoffs, what, a couple years ago when Tua mm-hmm. ended up getting hurt so they didn't get into the to the four-team bracket. Look at it how, how many times even that season we were looking and saying, like, well, honestly, if you look at Alabama, do you think that they would beat the fifth-ranked team or the fourth-ranked team if they actually went head-to-head? And everybody's saying, yeah, I think they could. They're Alabama. Let's get the, let's get the four best teams in there. Then it's like, why even, why even play the game? So, like, we were already bending backwards to put Alabama into the field of four when they didn't even belong in the in the field of four. I have a, I, I didn't like the news at first. I, I, I didn't actually I still don't like the news. Twelve to me is way too many schools to put in. There aren't twelve teams that are worthy of winning a national championship in college football. There there aren't. There 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 just aren't. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. There, there there aren't twelve legitimate national title teams. You're correct. correct. But and so it, the intrigue, well, though, you just want to see more teams in the mix, just the intrigue. But that's what's going to take away from college football, in my mind. Is you think? The, gr- the regular season, like the, the Alabama-LSU games, mm-hmm. which have become one of the, the, the mark your calendar, we're not going to do anything that night because Alabama takes on LSU. That game was always, hey, Winner likely gets the inside track to play in the SEC championship game. Loser then would need a heck of a lot of help to try to get into the college football playoff. That's what was that's what was at stake for those games. Mm. And I don't think now when you have Alabama against LSU, it carries as much weight. Ohio State and when when Michigan was was rolling at times, we can even go back, you know, into the '90s when Michigan would beat Ohio State all the time. There was a lot to play for in those games. Now you play that game and you say, well, if you lose, guess what? You're probably still going to get one of the at-large bids. You lose a lot of that, and that's what that's what that's what bothers me about this. I I would rather have a six school or an eight field like eight teams to me is is probably as big as you can get to try to l- allow the group of fives to get a spot in there i just don't I mean but think do we that really is- but do we really want to see the group of five teams play them like do we really want to see like ucf take on alabama like do we really believe that they're going to be able to knock them off i i will say this i i know i don't think they will but i think more people would rather see ucf try to knock off alabama then say Iowa State try to knock off Alabama. 
And I'm using Iowa State as maybe an at-large school or in Indiana last year from the Big Ten. Yeah, a great story within the Big Ten and what Indiana did, but I think more people are are interested in seeing the David versus Goliath instead of a Goliath against another Power Five somewhat good school. Well, I mean, That's what I think people would well, see, more like, rather to see. See, but I think the way that it's set up now with the 12 teams, you actually have an opportunity to – you may not see the David and Goliath, but you may have a chance to see – Iowa State take on UCF. So then maybe UCF earns the right to have an opportunity to take on one of the big schools where they didn't have that chance previously. So I kind of like it from that standpoint. But you know what's what's tricky and what is surprising about the, the proposal has been that they don't right now have any of the conference champions guaranteed and locked in. I thought if you're going to expand it, you probably should have the six conference champions, uh, I mean the five power five conference champions, mm-hmm a six team from a group of five school guaranteed and then populated with at large. But right now, as it stands, it's just going to be the highest rated teams. It would be the six, the 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 six six highest highest rated conference champions. Yes. Six highest conference champions. And then the next six highest rated teams. Yes. So we'll see. I mean, I think it'll work out the way that we want to work out. I just don't want to see like eight, SEC teams in the mix. But no, I think I mean, <laughs> you, you laugh. Okay, they're going to figure out a way to do so, even with with, with only six <laughs> at large. They're going to figure out a way to get eight SEC schools in. I, I, I joke, but and, – and, 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 and if you're listening and you're driving in your car, you're saying, wait a sec, no, like the six highest-rated conference champions – no, they, they all get in. If the rankings would have been played out the way that they did in 2020, and I know 2020 was a crazy year, the point is – that the Pac-12 wouldn't have made it into that top six conference, and they didn't deserve had, to have a team. They didn't cor- deserve to have a team in. Yeah, and 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 you're you're right. And, the, and their schedule was was crazy, and how and how late their season started. I mean, they started a week after the Big Ten and had even more postponements. But the point is, is that Cincinnati would have got in as the champion of the American. And then Coastal Carolina, who was higher than any other Pac-12 school, would have got in as a conference champion of the Sun Belt. So that's so so that would be one of the things where you would say, to your point, Bucky, of making it like let's make sure that the conferences, the Power Five conferences, have a way to get there. You're a hundred percent correct that it it we we believe that the SEC is going to be fine, and we believe that the Big Ten is going to be fine, and we believe that the Big Twelve and ACC are going to be fine. But there is the scenario on what's been playing out with the Pac-12 that maybe wouldn't have allowed that automatic bid to come mm-hmm. from that league, even if they won it. And that is that is one of the things in this proposal that uh, that could leave that sort of school out. But I mean, if there if if you can't be mad if you're leaving out a conference champion that's ranked 13th or 14th. And, the, and, and I think we agree on that. And my only point is, is now is to your point of seeing an Iowa State school taking on, let's just use Indiana for, for that, or, or Coastal Carolina. Is that the game of the year that we want to watch? Or do we want to watch Alabama LSU? And that's that's what that's what we're trading for it. And I, I've heard a lot of positivity. Everybody, I love this. I love this. But you also have to realize what you are giving up if you go to this format. 
And maybe I'm just the get-off-my-lawn guy and something that I've been used to for, for so long. But we're, we're losing LSU-Alabama being a must-watch, must-win game for one of those schools. We're, miss, we're losing that. Well, it's a must-watch must game for LSU because if they lose, they have a, a greater chance of not going in as opposed to Alabama just because of the brand name. Um, yeah, that's fair. But I, I, I still think is there's a level of intrigue because – we can look at it a couple of different ways. One, all of those conferences typically have a conference championship game, which certainly helps. So there's there's that part of it, almost like a ju- double jeopardy situation uh, when it comes to some of those big games, LSU and Alabama, depending on how it plays out and who wins and who's able to go and who faces Georgia or Florida or whatever in the championship game. And then you still have the at-large situation where, hey, if LSU loses to Alabama, they still have an opportunity to climb – of the charts and be one of those at-large teams. So I think we still get that, but we also get the opportunity to see the other conference champions. So I sat here and, and just kind of poo-pooed on the the, the little teams, the Davids, um, but you just talk, didn't talk about Coastal Carolina having an opportunity, Cincinnati having an opportunity if they play well and if they can get high enough. And so I think it takes some of those schools to play some bigger schools to get some wins on their resume while also winning their championship to be able to get into the tournament. You know, you look at a Cincinnati school that was one of the better schools in, in college football, mm-hmm. and they end up in the in the rankings last season, finishing eighth in, in the rankings. And it allows – it's kind of a cop-out, I think, to me for the committee because I never thought that the committee had enough guts to actually put a Cincinnati – that's 9-0 above an 8-3 and three Florida team. And the argument is always going to be strength of schedule. But to mm-hmm. me, it's just more of, of it gives the committee a cop-out to just, just put everybody in and let it work out instead of actually making the decisions and figuring out who is best and who deserves to be there. For as great as Florida may have been, if you lose three times in a season, I'm sorry, you shouldn't win a national championship in college football. If you lose three <laughs> times in 11 games, that tells me you are not a national championship contender. And it gives the committee, to me, a sort of cop-out where if you had it six or you had it eight, you really would have to make those decisions. A lot of the decisions lately were somewhat easy because you just take the conference winners and maybe if Notre Dame's unbeaten or has a one-loss team, the committee doesn't have to worry about. And, and Notre Dame, by the way, got in last year playing the ACC schedule, uh, beat Clemson. You know, it was unbeaten going into that into that conference title game. I, I get all that, but I think that at times they had an easier job and sometimes would just take the path of, of least resistance instead of actually making the real tough decision. I mean, I get that, but I, I, I don't necessarily see it as such. I, I understand what you want. Like, you want to throw the little team in there and, hey, like Cincinnati deserves to be in there. We're going to let them play with the big boys and those things. But I think it's probably better to make them – like, now I think they actually have a better chance of getting into the mix than they had before. Because before, I think there was always some trepidation. Like, hey, man, is this team really – are sure. they really good enough? Should we really put them in? Well, now you can throw them in. And if they happen to pull off an upset maybe in the the first thing, I shouldn't say upset because it's not always guaranteed that one of those teams will be the underdog. But if they happen to go into the tournament maybe as a eighth seed and win, well, now you're like, oh, okay, they're they're in the mix. They have an opportunity. Now they can play one of the bigger boys and kind of see where they stack up. 
It's a it's a great conversation to have. I, I I don't love the move, but I love talking about college football and the ramifications. I would ask the gardener next door who is a leaf blowing my neighbor's backyard if he wanted to chime in. I don't know if you could hear that or not, no, Bucky. I hope you couldn't. I no, hope you couldn't. But I would I would think that he probably agreed with me as well <laughs> that maybe the college football playoff just got too big too fast when it went to twelve schools. That's the other thing. Why not? You know, if if you had time to do it, I know we're we're short on time here, but. It took you so long to get from two to four. Why not maybe just then see just how it would play out with six? Are you still dealing with problems? Are you dealing with new problems? Because there's no way you're ever going to go back. You're never going to say, you know what, 12 didn't work. Let's go to six or let's go to eight. That is not happening. That is never happening. So it's just amazing to me on how quickly it expanded. And, yeah, who knows? We could have the SEC Invitational coming up uh, in, in future seasons if certain things play out. But I'm just I'm not a huge fan of the 12-team bracket. He's Bucky Brooks, former NFL. Scout, former NFL vet. Get him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. I guess I wouldn't say former NFL vet. You would just be an NFL vet. That's all it would be. I'm Dan Byer. Find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Mark Murphy, the Packers president, is at it again. He can't keep Aaron Rodgers out of his mouth. We'll tell you what he said next year on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Fox Sports Saturday. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Byer. 
Glad to have you with us. College football on our minds. So is the National Football League. Bucky, NFL is your life. I know it is. But there's something about this upcoming season. I even said this yesterday when I was filling in for, for Doug Gottlieb on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio, that I am more excited for the upcoming season in the NFL than other years that I can remember. I don't know. I don't know if it's because we're coming out of COVID and there's going to be uh, we expect full capacity in all of the stadiums that it's going to be, you know, maybe more normal of a of a preseason and only three preseason games. And I don't know exactly what it is, but that's the feeling that I've got. Like, I'm more excited about this upcoming season than any of the other seasons in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's an exciting time. I think it's an exciting time because this will be football as we know it meaning a full preseason to be able to see everything. Um, then the expanded schedule, 17 games, where we have an opportunity to, um, you know, like take it down the stretch. Like this would be a grind for the teams that are the top teams that earn their way into the postseason. And so you certainly have to um, like the possibilities. Now, I think the one thing that I am worried about or um, I'm curious about, the records. Because the record book changes a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. Like it, it changes yeah. the things that we used to um, cite as the standard thousand yard seasons for running backs, um, four thousand yard seasons for quarterbacks. Those numbers are now skewed. The extra game changes what we what we will use as kind of like the gold standard of excellent performance. <laughs> what was and what was the was the Jeff Fisher was that the seven and nine. I'm sick of seven yeah. and nine. Was that was that the line? Yeah. So so the so now is nine and eight good? I mean, is 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 eight and nine bad? Like is eight and nine the eight and eight? Is nine and eight good because it's a winning record? That's another thing that we're going to have to have to kind of get adjusted to on. All right, what is the? You can't say sixteen and zero anymore because who cares? You'd still have another game to play. That's, that's going to trip me up a little bit as well. Of what is, we got so accustomed to seven and nine and eight and eight being just, but now is it going to be nine and eight or is it going to be eight and nine? That's going to be the, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the way that you think about it now, you have winners and losers. Like it's very, very clear. Um, Either you win or you lose, you finish with a winning record or not. I mean, I guess you can go eight, eight and one. That would be crummy. But, (laughs) But, I mean, look, it gets everyone off the snide. You either had a winning season or you didn't have a winning season. So, I'm all right with that. Yeah, and and I'll say this. We just talked about college football expansion. The Bears being in the playoffs last year showed us that we didn't need to expand the NFL playoffs. That, that's, that was your answer. Yeah, I know the Colts took the, the Bills to the, to the wire in their 2-7 wildcard game, but the Bears getting into the playoffs last year was reason for us to be like, all right, maybe expansion man, isn't the greatest thing. Man, such a Bears hater. <laughs> just such a Bears hater. No, I just hater. want to reward the teams that deserve to be rewarded. That's all. I mean, it's that, that's it's all that it is. Everybody at work gets a bonus. Then you find out that that guy got a bonus too. And you're like, what? He uh, doesn't do anything around here. I mean, so so now we, we like expanding college football, but we don't like expanding pro football. No, I don't like expanding college football. That's the... That, that that's the deal is that there are teams that are that get in that shouldn't be in just like the bears shouldn't have been in last year there's just there's there's no point in them being in there it was a waste of three and a half hours. except wasn't that the nickelodeon game so you so yeah. maybe you had that yeah. you may, maybe you had that uh i know who i know who hates the bears 
uh, the Green Bay Packers. But Packer fans may not be looking as forward to the upcoming season because of what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. They not, may not be as excited as I am for 2021. And Mark Murphy in a mailbag last week kind of uh, seemed to me um, opened up a can of worms a little bit by saying we shouldn't be t- or the less said publicly, uh, the better. But he was the one who brought up Aaron Rodgers and said Aaron Rodgers divided the fan base unprovoked in an email that I don't even think even asked a question. It was just him picking the, the, the email of the Packers uh, media relations team and having that email be a part of the Q&A that they posted online. Okay, maybe you make a mulligan. Maybe you wish you had that, that one back. Fine. I'll, I'll maybe give you a pass on that. But Mark Murphy seemed to double down and speaking to ticket holders recently, and I believe this is courtesy of NBC Green Bay, Mark Murphy was talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation and used his uh, former GM, the late Ted Thompson, who passed away recently, to explain, I guess, what Ted Thompson said about Aaron Rodgers and maybe some other players. This was Mark Murphy uh, speaking to Packer ticket holders. Excuse me, earlier this year, often talked about Aaron that he's a comp, or, and it wasn't just Aaron, and a lot of different players, he would say, he's a complicated fella. So I'll just uh, say that. That was Mark Murphy speaking about what he uh, heard from Ted Thompson and talking about Aaron Rodgers. Now, hmm. again, Ted Thompson passed away. You wouldn't be able to get his response, but that's what Mark Murphy is telling now Packer ticket holders. And for as much as I'm usually team oriented i'm actually more fan oriented than anything this is the second time when i'm like thinking to mark murphy like what in the world are you doing i have no idea on if you're aaron Rodgers and you're hearing this i have no idea what would make you want to go back to green bay or how this situation of those words make the situation better i mean look i i, I think of it a couple of different ways like i i know it's very very popular for everybody to feel like the Packers need to bend over backwards to appease Aaron Rodgers, but let's call it what it is, man. This is big business. Aaron Rodgers is on the contract. Aaron Rodgers still has three years left on his deal. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any leverage in this situation. It is all like a myth. It's all a narrative that we have continued to run with on our side, but it's no, it's no bones to it. He either plays or he retires. The Packers don't have to do anything in this situation. He either plays for them or he can sit at home. They're not under the pressure to trade him. And so I understand with Matt LaFleur sounding desperate when he steps to the mic and, oh, I may not have Aaron Rodgers or whatever, but, hey, dude, you're the head coach. Figure it out. you got a quarterback that y'all drafted in the first round, Jordan Love. If number 12 elects not to show up and play, the show continues to go on. And so I understand when Mark Murphy talks about him being a, a little complicated, a little different, he is because he's never come out and fully said what it is that he wants. He talks in rhymes and riddles and parables. He has other people carry his water. And so the frustration has to be from the Packers standpoint, hey, man, what is it that you want? Like, like, like what, what exactly yeah. do you want? Because you haven't articulated, and then you went on ESPN and you did this long diatribe but didn't say nothing. So it's frustrating for everyone that's involved when it comes to the Packers. I actually, I, I've argued that Green Bay should trade Aaron Rodgers. And I know that there are people who may Why? think that's crazy. Why they you may think that it's, that it's crazy. Because of what Mark Murphy said. Said Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fella. I think he's a different cat. I think, I, and I've said this all along. Aaron Rodgers is just a different guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't. 
you can't handle this situation like you would anybody else. There's always the there's always the notion of you don't treat uh, everyone the same, but you treat them fairly. What I think would be fair for Green Bay in this situation is you don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to show up or not. So the one thing that you do know is if you did trade him, you would at least get something back in return for him when his value is the absolute highest. And and that's the like that's the point where I think and I, I just I. If if you aren't sure because you don't know what type of guy he is, then you've got to look out for yourself. Aaron Rodgers could very well leave him, leave them hanging. And I believe that these comments by Mark Murphy would be another reason why Aaron Rodgers would want to leave them hanging. Now it's his salary and the 30 million, you know, 30 odd million dollars that he'd be leaving on the table. But if Aaron Rodgers is the complicated fella and the different cat, I wouldn't necessarily put it past him. And that's that's where I where I look at it. I actually think that Green Bay should entertain as many offers as they can. How often is a 37-year-old going to be 38-year-old quarterback coming off of an MVP season? How high is his value going to be? And, and so that's that. That's why I think you have to actually entertain that. And it seems that Mark Murphy and maybe that front office understand kind of a little bit what they're dealing with, even though I don't think they should be saying that publicly to their season ticket holders. No, I think they should say it publicly. I think all of this is like a joke. And I know we'll talk about Russell Wilson later. Like, I think all of this stuff with the quarterbacks and the way that we view quarterbacks and the way that we're supposed to kind of let them do whatever it is that they wish because they're the quarterback, I think is ridiculous. And I think – like having been up in Green Bay, having played up in Green Bay, having known how the Packers in that town, how the fans feel about that team. Look, I get Aaron Rodgers, one of the best guys to ever don the uniform, but so was Bart Starr. So was Brett Favre. So was Reggie White. So was the, the, the list of guys that are in the ring of honor. And so the Packers will continue to fill up Lambeau field with or without Aaron Rodgers, and the show will continue to go on. And he doesn't have any leverage. So I don't understand why, the Green Bay Packers would give him what he wants just because he wants to go and play maybe on the West Coast or do something different. Like, nah, you're in the contract. You're in the contract, and there's nothing that we get. We don't get a, a couple of picks. I don't think he's going to fetch as much in return as people would think. He's 37, 38 years old. I don't think you can get two, three, four number one picks for Aaron Rodgers at this stage of his career. Well, let's continue this. Let's continue to talk about quarterbacks. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Beyer. It's Fox Sports Saturday. Get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. We'll talk about the quarterbacks and their roles. And I actually think that it wouldn't be doing Aaron Rodgers a favor. I actually think Green Bay would be looking out more for themselves. We'll talk about that after David Gascon gives us the latest of what's going on on this Saturday. What's going on, Dave? Yeah, I I completely agree with you, Dan. I, I think that Green Bay should punt on Rodgers and just send him to Denver just <laughs> so out, outcast him to Denver what? yeah why not you know like give him Devontae Adams too you know you yeah. can just have the greatest yeah. receiving core in the history you know I like the, the way you're why thinking not? with that Dan I, I, yeah. I, do, I do like that maybe Zadarius Smith can be thrown in <laughs> not bad at all guys uh, we'll leave things off first in Major League Baseball right now a bunch of games that are being played as we speak Tampa lead in Baltimore five to nothing is the score White Sox are smothering the Tigers you got the Angels and Diamondbacks going at it from Arizona. Home team leading right now 5-1. to one. Phillies with a 4-2 lead over the Yankees. College baseball continues on as it goes into the Super Regionals and to Omaha. Mississippi State just beat Notre Dame 9-8 is the final. Vanderbilt going back to Omaha. 
Jack Leiter picked up the W. They beat East Carolina 4-1 to was the score. Nothing doing for a couple hours from now with the NBA. Clippers and Jazz. Mike Conley not playing today. Clippers in a 2-0 hole against Utah. Game starts at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. Guys, back to you. Thanks a lot, Dave. It is Fox Sports Saturday. He's Bucky Brooks, NFL scout, NFL veteran, uh, NFL Network, Move the Sticks podcast, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer sitting in on a Saturday. Usually it's you and Jodis Knox teaming up today. It's it's you and me doing this. So, all right, let's get into the quarterback d- dilemma, the quarterback diva, uh, the divas. is uh, That's what I was assuming mm-hmm. that you were saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Oh, no, no, that's that's it. You, you called me. Look, I'm a little grumpy. I didn't have a great night's sleep, so I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little heated. But, like, we're going to talk about these quarterbacks, and I've been irritated by them the entire offseason. So, all right, we can have at it. I, I, this is. I'll just quick give you just a quick synopsis of what I think, and then I will let you have the floor. And I hope I don't. Actually, you know what? Mm-mm. I'm not even going to steal your thunder. Go ahead. No, go Tell ahead. Me what, no, uh, here's what go I. Th- I think everybody wants what Tom Brady has, um, but they haven't done what Tom Brady's done. Mm, and I think that I think that is I think that is a very excellent point and observation. And I think what has happened and what has been clouded in this as you pointed and alluded to, is everybody wants what they think Tom Brady has. But here's the thing about Tom Brady and what Tom Brady has been able to do. Tom Brady never got top-of-the-market money, right? Mm-hmm. So he's never had top-of-the-market money at any time during the new, his New England Patriots run and tenure and those things, right? And so at the end of it, people talk about, well, yeah, but he didn't have the weapons, and so he went to Tampa because he needed more weapons. Right. The thing about what happened when he went to Tampa, this team was already pretty much constructed when Tom Brady showed up. All of the stars were already there. I know people like to point to, hey, but they gave him Rod Gronkowski. Hey, they gave him Antonio Brown. But when we go back and we look at the regular season, how big of the roles did each of those guys play? Not very significant. They made some plays, but they weren't the driving force Mm -hmm. of the team. It was... Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, the defense, they got better. They got hot down the stretch. And I would go so far to say that they didn't necessarily win the Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. He played a role in making sure that they got there and he managed it in those things. The defense is what stepped up and carried them over the threshold. And so I think we have to understand that. But because we romanticized the quarterback position, we've given Tom Brady all of the credit for Tampa Bay being Super Bowl champs. And he played a huge role, but he's not the only reason. When I think about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and even Deshaun Watson before the off the field issues came into it, they all got the big check, right? Mm -hmm. They all got the big money. They didn't necessarily help their team out when they took the big money. But now we're saying, oh, we got to get them so much other stuff. They need all of this other stuff. Well, you can't have it all. Like, what's it saying? You can't have your cake and eat it too? If you want more help, then why don't you take a little bit of a discount so you can get the help that you want? But you can't complain when you take all the money on a short-term deal that makes it very hard for your team to then operate and maneuver, which both Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers did. And so, to me, it's disingenuous when they paint this picture like, I mean, I I just don't have the help that I need. Well, dude, if you want more help, then take a little lesser money so they can give you the help that you want. And final thing with Aaron Rodgers, what's 
irritating and annoying. I would say even disrespectful to the players. Everyone talks about the first round receivers. Oh, they gosh. have to drafted a receiver in the first round. You know, it's only been one receiver in the first round with a thousand yards since 2017, and that was Justin Jefferson. And so then when I think about all the players that have been Pro Bowl wide receivers for them, they have come from the second and third round. Devontae Adams, um, James Jones, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, on and on and on. This is what the Packers do. So I don't understand the argument when he's had Pro Bowl players around. I'll even double down on that is when they drafted Jordy Nelson, it was a bit of a surprise. And I would actually even say then when they added Randall Cobb and you already had Greg Mm -hmm. Jennings and Jordy Nelson, you're saying to yourself, why are you drafting Randall Cobb now when you already have two legitimate wide receivers? That's people forget about that. But, yeah, they, they get so hung up on the first round wide receivers when if you go back to those drafts and when they were actually making those picks and specifically with Nelson and Cobb and Jennings was obviously far. But to your point, it was the same regime that was making those picks. So it wasn't like there was anything different going on. They took guys when they probably didn't need to take guys or you wouldn't think that it would be a need at that time. So I I completely agree with you that it is a it is a completely false narrative. What, what would you rather you want Josh Doxson because he was a first round pick? Like, is that what it, you'd rather have him than a Randall Cobb or a Devontae Adams? Or to me, I, I am 100% with you on that. I think that's such a bogus argument because they've done plenty to to aid Aaron Rodgers and aid that offense. Look, they, they have done plenty to aid it. Now, I would say that there are things that they could have done, right? And I understand the frustration because at the end of the game, um, when they had an opportunity to put it in Aaron Rodgers' hands, look, Players over plays. Give it to Aaron Rodgers. Don't kick the field goal. If if he is what we all think he is as an MVP player, then let him um, let go down with him. Let him go down. But let me also take it back as to why, because people are really charged up about the Jordan Love thing. Sure. sure. Can I can I quick say something about that? Like yeah. Brian Gutekunst didn't make the call to kick the field goal. Oh no, he didn't. You know, like I does, mean, so does Matt, does Matt Lafleur? Yeah, yeah. So, so now you're you're mad at the GM because he still didn't get a phone call about the Jordan Love thing, but you're gonna hold that against him? Like, yeah, do, go ahead, go ahead about Jordan Love. Sorry. Okay, so so here's the thing about the Jordan Love thing that is really irritating to me when I hear it. Right, so everyone is like, oh my god, they have to call him, they have to let him know, or whatever, which is true. Typically, when you have a franchise quarterback in the building, regardless of whether um, it's gonna hurt his feelings or not, you pick up the phone and say, hey man, here we go in the first round. Uh, We're thinking about taking a quarterback. We're going to take him. Like, it's not your job to mentor him, but I just want you to know so you're not out and it buzzes on your phone that we took him via Twitter, all right? The reason why they drafted Jordan Love is because if you go back and you look at the way that Aaron Rodgers had played the three years before that, his completion percentage and his passer rating in each of those three years prior to the pick had all decreased and declined. He also had some injuries that had popped up. He also was nearing 36 years of age. And I know we're looking at Tom Brady and we begin to think that, oh, every quarterback should play to 40, but that's not the reality. The Green Bay Packers were sitting here saying, man, we might have a quarterback that is on the descent. We may need to get a young quarterback in here now to let him sit behind him a year or two or do those things, which to me is a very reasonable deal because, hey, Aaron Rodgers, you came in in the same situation with Brett Favre. Like, that's what it is. He played better. And also remember the reports coming out early the first year when they were talking about, like, he and Matt LaFleur, it may not have been on the same page. 
Aaron Rodgers wasn't necessarily playing in a very structured offense under Mike McCarthy. And then in that first year, he wasn't really doing it. Last year, after being mad because they brought Jordan Love in, he stayed to the confines of the offense. We didn't see as many of those freestyle plays. And lo and behold, he played at a a high level. He returned to an MVP level. But now because you played at the MVP, you can't go and have revisionist history on how they brought the guy in. And so to me, I just don't understand why he can't let it go. Let it go. I, 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 I am on board with that. And the other thing that I would give uh, Brian Gutekunst in the front office a pat on the back, and it kind of comes full circle, is to your point about what Aaron Rodgers did over those three years, plus there was always the Rodgers is a complicated fella. You may not know if he's just going to walk away and retire and you don't want to be held, you know, you don't want to be there with your pants down and all of a sudden now you don't have a quarterback to deal with because you just don't know about him. And now we're in the situation that we are. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can throw all your quarterback hate that way on Twitter <laughs> or, or, or the hating of Bucky's takes about quarterbacks. Send it to at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Coming up next, it is a hard habit to break in the world of sports. We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Saturday. Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Bucky Brooks. It is a Saturday that, I mean, the European Soccer Championships have started in a scary situation uh, happening uh, earlier today with Christian Eriksen of Denmark collapsing, but he is a stable, hospitalized, but in stable condition after after doing that. But we are a week away from the U.S. Open. We're kind of in a quiet period in the NFL, and tonight there's only one NBA playoff game. So it's kind of a quiet Saturday, I feel, Bucky. Don't you get that Get that sense? Maybe an opportunity. You could get some yard work done, maybe <laughs> clean up around the house a little bit or listen to us. That's that's the sense that I get on this on this uh, June 12th as we sit here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a different time. I mean, this is uh... – it's kind of we're kind of in that that funny spot, right? When you hit this part of the season, because OTAs and mini camps are coming to a close, and so from a football perspective, this is kind of the 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 month off, the dead period, right? Yeah. So this is the last week of mini camps that we have upcoming. Then you have that full month where you have the NBA Finals, you have the College World Series, um, you have hockey going in full earnest, and you have some selected things that are going. But it's a weird time. So yeah, I would say. If you don't have interest in those other sports, yeah, go do some yard work. Now, <laughs> do some other stuff. You know, time to put on the old clothes. And and doing this show today made me think of you because when I would team up with you and when we would do shows in person pre-pandemic, you know, there are times I'd try to wear um, some of my North Carolina stuff. Mm-hmm. And I only have I only have two items. This would always be for Bucky. But this made me realize as well as I'm – Maybe you want to clean out your closet today. Maybe it's too mm-hmm. hot outside. The, the you know the air the air is just too much. So you turn on the AC and you do some work inside. I realized in going through my stuff that my North Carolina sweatshirt that I wear with you mm-hmm. is my oldest item of clothing. And I'm curious what what, what you have or what 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 mm-hmm. Lee and Don and Gascon have. Oldest piece of clothing still in your rotation. That North Carolina sweatshirt, I am not kidding. I bought winter of 2001. 
Mm. I think it's tw- it's 20 years old, and I still wear this North Carolina sweatshirt, not wearing it when it's 100 degrees out like it is today, but oldest piece of clothing still in your rotation, Bucky Brooks. That's funny that you bring that up. Because literally last night I just cleaned up my closet. Really? <laughs> just, See, perfect. I literally, I literally cleaned up the closet. I just got a, uh, a bunch of athletic wear, and I was like, okay, let me get rid of all this stuff. And so I'm, I'm looking through, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm really trying to live like, hey, let's prune the trees, keep everything down, like don't have a lot of stuff or whatever. And I'm trying to think. I came across a couple sweatshirts. Um, there's an old North Carolina sweatshirt that. I don't even know if I've I've ever worn, but I bought it when I went to a game maybe five or six years ago. And it's one of those that you only can get from the student store. Like uh, if you can imagine like kind of the old champion or whatever, the gray with the shirt, like it, it, mm-hmm. la- it, it lasts forever. Like you North can't Carolina get mothballs. Yeah, you can't get mothballs on. Like it just, it just lasts forever. So I have yeah. that. I then look, there's a Super Bowl sweatshirt. It might be Super Bowl 52. That's not too old. There, there's a Super Bowl 38 pullover <laughs> from. Uh, oh wow, that's Bucks from, Raiders, right? No, or, no, th- no, that 30, was uh, Panthers Patriots. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah Bucks I, Raiders was 37. And the nostalgia in that is, I was working for the Panthers, and that's when um, my disdain for Tom Brady may have happened when they went down the field and kicked the field goal. <laughs> so that's just a stark reminder there. But most of the stuff is gone. There's an old Buffalo Bills like sweatsuit that I don't know why I keep in there because I'm is never going to wear it. One? Is that no, it's not Apex 1? It it's not Apex, but it, it's it's older. I, I would never wear it, but it's kind of hanging in there because I'm like, what? I'm going to take it to Goodwill and then what? Somebody else? I'm, I'm going to be driving around. I'm going to see somebody else in my sweatsuit and be like, hey. Sweatsuit. <laughs> like, like, so th- so there's some things like that that are, that are in the closet, but I've tried to get rid of a lot of this. It's in rotation. Lee, oldest item that you can think of? Uh, no surprise, uh, Brett Favre jerseys. Because I would, uh, I'd be often, I'd be Brett Favre zombie <laughs> for Halloween, so I'd have bigger jerseys to fit over shoulder pads, and this, so they still fit me today. All right, Gascon, mm. oldest piece. What are we talking? Man, years, I get, uh, I got two sleeveless old school football practice shirts from my high school days that mm. I still wear just because when I work out, I train in them to give me extra motivation to not outgrow them. <laughs> now that's you know that's the worst part about this. It, it, Don, do you got do you got a piece quick? Because I got I got to wrap this up. Yeah, I'll just say it's my state championship uh, hoodie, and that's from 2010. But that's wow, it. that's yeah, that's, oh. a, that's over a decade. Oh. To Dave's point, the worst part about this is my North Carolina sweatshirt was like an extra large or like double X baggy when you bought it because 20 years ago, hey, everything is big, everything is roomy. And now it fits like a glove. Like, that's the worst part about it was 20 years ago. It was, man, this thing is baggy. This is the style. And now it, it still fits. Oh, man. Is Russell Wilson going to fit back in Seattle? He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Beyer. We talk about it next on Fox. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You'd think everybody would want to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Apparently, that is not the case. We'll fill you in on what that's all about in a little bit. Get Bucky Brooks on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Byer on Fox. It is a Saturday. We uh, Bucky and I started about an hour ago, and the quarterback talk was hot and heavy, and we touched a little bit on Russell Wilson's situation in Seattle. Now, while Aaron Rodgers was holding out of mandatory minicamp in Green Bay, the Seahawks had some voluntary OTAs this past week with their mandatory minicamp coming up and Russell Wilson was in attendance. It was also the first time that we actually got to hear from Russell Wilson speaking to the media after he had that interview with Dan Patrick last year or excuse me earlier this year following the season talking about not wanting to get hit as much uh, wanting to have a say in how things are going and he made those comments to reporters in February as well after the Buccaneers ended up uh, winning the Super Bowl and Russell Wilson had a, uh, a nice seat and watching that happen. Russell Wilson was at Seahawks OTAs and explained his thought process and what exactly transpired this entire offseason. In terms of the trade talks, I think anytime you play professional sports, there's always a possibility of something happening, right? And I think that's just the reality. I think that there's a lot of teams out there that people were saying that I was going to or would go to. I requested a trade. I did not request a trade. Um, I've always wanted to play here. Um, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, uh, I think calls were getting thrown around and this and that, and I think that's just a reality. Um, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, the, the real reality is that I'm here, and I'm here to win, and I'm here to win it all. I think technically he's right, but it's not like he helped ease the situation. He just took gasoline and poured it on the fire and stoked those flames even more by having his agent come out with a list of teams that he'd like to go to, which, by the way, three of the four seem to already have their quarterback situation uh, in place, or at least two of the four did. Maybe not the Saints upon the retirement of Drew Brees, but point being is the the list was short for the teams that Russell Wilson would go to. Now that he showed up to OTAs, uh, Bucky, now that they have an offensive coordinator they had input in, now that they've acquired Gabe Jackson, now that they've used a second-round pick on a wide receiver, does Russell Wilson have any reason to not want to be in Seattle? 
No, he never had any reason to not want to be there. I think this thing is as annoyed as I am by the Aaron Rodgers thing. I'm, I'm even more annoyed by the Russell Wilson thing because I think what Russ has done is Russ has kind of hid behind and, and, and showed up and, and said like, what? I don't, I don't understand like the trade thing. I never did anything like, dude, you, you went on Dan Patrick, Dan Patrick and basically threw everybody under the bus. Like everybody, your teammates, your coaches, the structure, the front office and all these things. And as I've said from the beginning, I haven't had a chance to say it to you. This was always about the money. It always is about the money when it comes to these situations, both in Aaron Rodgers and also with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is in the last year with like guaranteed money. $19 million is guaranteed. Next year is not guaranteed at 19 and then it goes up, I think, to 20. So 2023, he can be up out of there. Um, he doesn't have any guarantees. He wants more money. Um, he wants a deal. He won't say it. He won't come out and publicly say it. But that's what this is about. It's about getting a contract extension so he has more guarantees. And when they see guys like Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott and even Deshaun Watson sign deals that put them over the $40 million mark, they want to get up there, both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And so the problem that I have is when he talked about not getting, not wanting to get hit so much, tired of getting hit, some of that we could say, okay, yeah, okay, the offensive line, yeah, like, yeah, we don't like some of the things that they've done. But Russ doesn't play a quick rhythm style. He doesn't play like Drew Brees where they hike it to him, the ball gets in his hand and it's out quickly. He's a freestyle player. And when you're a freestyle player, you're going to get hit more because the offensive line, they don't have eyes in the back of their head. So they never know where the launch point is when Russell is playing behind them. And then when I think about the offense and he said he wanted more say, the offense that they're bringing in, Shane Waldron coming in from the Rams, is the same system that enabled Aaron Rodgers to play at an MVP level in Green Bay. More structured, has movement, but if he adheres to the tenets of the system, he's going to have more easy plays for him instead of playing this freestyle, breakneck style that we've seen him play. The final thing with Russ, when he talked about from a philosophical standpoint, he appears to want the ball in his hands more. Hey, let Russ cook. I know you're 12. You guys want Russ to cook and do all this stuff. And so last year, they let Russ cook. In the first half of the year, it was great. Like 34 points they were averaging. He was over 300 yards per game and those things. What happened in the middle of the season, teams started playing more cover two, taking away the deep shots, which forces the quarterback to throw in rhythm. Russ is not a great in rhythm thrower. And so the points went down to 22 points a game. He was only averaging about 205 passing yards per game. His passer rating went from 117 during the first half of the year to like 86. And so it has been proven time and time again, whenever they let Russ cook, he burns the meals in the kitchen. They don't win as much when he's cooking. They are just better when they run it, they play defense, and then Russ makes a handful of plays at the end of the game. And so it's interesting that he wants all of these things when I don't know if he's proven that he can be the ultimate playmaker and them win. Because they haven't won since they got rid of everything doing it the old stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, and, you know, the, Russell Wilson's been a topic of conversation. And obviously, following the Seahawks, I, I have a decent sense that I just bring up the point of, you know, their Super Bowl win. He didn't throw a touchdown until the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of, of what was a blowout game. So it's it's one of those things that, yeah, he does have a Super Bowl ring, but how much was it about Russell Wilson and how much uh, was it about everything else in that game? Now, not saying he didn't do stuff to help them get to that point, but the point being is, is yeah, it was a blowout victory and he got the Super Bowl ring, but it wasn't like he was uh, Tom Brady and driving them down the field for the game-winning field goal. That didn't happen. I I, I think there's a lot of pressure under uh, on him this season for – 
a lot of what you said, but now also because they've given him all of the things that he wants and they've responded or, or the things that we apparently thought that he wanted, not the money that you think that it's all about money. But now if Russell Wilson comes up and doesn't step up his play, the offensive line calls are hollow after acquiring Gabe Jackson. And by the way, if there was any time to complain about their offensive line, it was prior to them acquiring Dwayne Brown. I mean, when, when I mean, it was, you know, they had the worst line in the league about three or four years ago, and it wasn't mm-hmm. even close. And you didn't hear the complaints then, but you hear it now when you have the veteran left tackle who, who knows, I mean, could be his last year in Seattle, but you drafted Damian Lewis, who was a decent guard. Now you've brought in, uh, Gabe Jackson to play another guard position. They've they've addressed those sort of things. You've you've got your offensive coordinator to to what you're saying. Now it's all on Russ, and that's why I think outside of Baker Mayfield, because I think that the Browns have really big things ahead of them if the quarterback can continue to play at a at a at a high level. Outside of him, I think that Russ has the most pressure just because he actually got everything that he asked for. And if it doesn't work out in Seattle or if he isn't able to cook, as you say, I think that his reputation and what we think of Russell Wilson uh, changes drastically because of what happened this offseason. Yeah. I, he I got mean, it all. Yeah, I mean, he, he he has it all. I mean, they have two of the weapons on the outside, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, they kick the tires to see if they can add another weapon. They've always been – very aggressive when it comes to trying to see if they can add firepower to the offense. Um, the new offensive coordinator, even though they want to run run the ball, and they're going to run the ball because the, the basis of that offense, whether it's the Shanahan with the Shanahan and the Niners, uh, Sean McVay with the Rams, Matt LaFleur, the running game is always a big part of it. And so the running game should be better, and that should create more big play opportunities down the field. Um, it's about Russ being able to make plays. And we have to be honest when it comes to Russell Wilson. They haven't been to a championship game. They haven't been to another Super Bowl since they handed this team to him. And what I mean by handing it, they removed all of the detractors on the defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. that said, hey, man, woo, y'all need to be careful giving this thing to Russ. Like, we do it because of the LOB, you know? And so they haven't done it. And so at some point, he has to deliver, and he hasn't delivered. I think that Pete Carroll is, is – I, I don't know how much – to blame, I think that he, that he shoulders a little of it. I do think that last year that Pete Carroll did not want did not want to have the worst defense in NFL history on his resume. Mm-hmm. Not a defensive guy, and that's where they were halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Seattle actually wasn't bad uh, record wise. They were. I mean, that, the record wise for the season was twelve and four. They won the the NFC West. Mm-hmm. We make it look like they're you know like things were awful in Seattle. It's just that their early playoff exit against a team they don't match up well with uh, in the Rams. Uh, you know, kicked them out of the playoffs. And now you're saying, hey, what's going on and what's wrong? But really, when you looked at that team, I don't know how much of a Super Bowl caliber team that was. But I do think that Pete Carroll. Does not want did not want that on his resume, and it's also going to be up to Pete Carroll that if you start out last season like you did, you know their their Buffalo game like they didn't get a stop against Josh Allen at all. Mm-hmm. Buffalo just said we're just going to throw the football on you and just you know it's mm-hmm. going to be a track meet, and then Russ ended up you know having some costly turnovers in that game. But I still think there is a little bit on Pete Carroll as well to see if he, if you're going to let Russ cook, Russ cook, you better continue to let him cook and not switch gears up through the uh, the second half of the season to, to really get a sense of where you are. See, I think, so here, here's the thing, and I, I think it's, it's, it's one of the things. Um, the game is necessarily played in a vacuum, meaning that you can't necessarily call the offense just based on the offense being what it is, right? Like, 
the best teams play complementary ball. Um, yeah. The offense protects the defense and those things. And so when the defense was leaking oil like it was early in the year, the way that you protect the defense is by shortening the game. And the way that you shorten the game is by running the football. Fewer possessions, fewer snaps that the defense is on the field. It gives them a chance. It also gives the Seahawks a chance to kind of control the game, right? So you talked about that Buffalo game that turned out to be a track meet. When you're playing in those games and you know you're short on firepower defensively, and you also know from an offensive line standpoint you don't want to be in protect mode, it just makes it hard. And so what Pete is trying to do is trying to get Russell to kind of see it because here's the thing. We talked about the Tom Brady effect, right? Tom Brady understands that part of it. You don't really hear Tom Brady like complaining about number of pass attempts and those things because from week to week you have to play a different way to win the game. And that's what the Patriots would do. Sometimes they're morphing into a power team. Other times they're spread and shred and do it. I think Pete understands that. I just don't know if some of the quarterbacks understand that, hey, man, this week it might not be in your hands all the way and be okay with that. He's Bucky Brooks. Get him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Is your dad's razor older than you are? Get him something new for Father's Day. A DSC six-blade razor is perfect for an extra close, precise shave. Get one now at a store near you or as part of a gift set at dollarshaveclub.com slash Jonas. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Jonas. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Jonas Knox today. He's Bucky Brooks. Glad to have you along on Fox Sports Radio. Teased it earlier, and we're going to give you the answer next. Guess who did not have a good time playing with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs? It's a notable name. We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Bucky Brooks, former NFL player, NFL scout, Move the Sticks podcast, NFL Network, and our teammate here at Fox Sports Radio. Get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. Going to check in with our FSR NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, in just a little bit. But I want to quick bring up this story. Le'Veon Bell is apparently not a happy camper, or was not a happy camper, in speaking on Instagram, Le'Veon Bell said, I'll never play for Andy Reid again. Mm-hmm. I'd retire first. That, the quote from Le'Veon Bell, after his half of season in Kansas City that ended up ending in a Super Bowl loss. Are you surprised, Bucky Brooks, to hear that sort of response from Le'Veon Bell? Yes. I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised because just knowing everything that I know about Andy Reid, having played for him in Green Bay, haven't watched him from afar. The one thing that I do know is, man, he has a reputation for being a player's coach in terms of he's going to treat his players right. He's going to make sure everything is first class. They're going to work, but he's going to make sure that he does right by them. He also is an excellent communicator. And so um, I am really surprised that Levy and Bell expresses a disdain for Andy Reid and whatever took place while he was there. You know, And I don't know if something got sideways in terms of um, – the communication in terms of expectations, how he expected to play when he came in versus how they used him or any of those things. But, look, man, it's unbecoming of Levin Bell. And even if you felt like that, for a guy who may be looking for another gig, probably not great to go on Instagram and put that out there about Andy <laughs> Reid because, yeah. you know, it only eliminates you from a handful of other teams. Like Matt Nagy's with the Chicago Bears. Like his assistants have gone on to other places. John Harbaugh is a guy that played for him. It just narrows your, you know, it just narrows your wish list a little bit. It supports my theory that Le'Veon Bell uh, leads the NFL in bad decisions. Uh, like, like there, there, like there were of holdouts of what you want to do with your weed of now going mm. out and saying this. That hum is, I agree with you, Dan, but I don't want to say <laughs> I, mean, I agree with you, Dan. I mean, I'm with you. It wasn't – I'm not one that would have left $12 million or $14 million on the table um, to prove a point. I would have gotten the money from Pittsburgh and then tried to get another big deal because you never make that $14 million up. Um, things haven't been right since that point. Uh, so, it's look, it's an issue. It is, it's a problem. You mentioned things going sideways. Clyde edwards Lair's season went sideways when Le'Veon Bell came in. Mm. It did. And the and I know the, the Chiefs had issues on the offensive line, obviously. By the time they got to the Super Bowl, they had, they had neither of their tackles. Uh, they were relying completely on the right shoulder and legs of Patrick Mahomes. That's that's what they were doing. But they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't really establish a run game. They did it in a game against the Raiders, and this is how you know that I had Clyde Edwards Alaire on my fantasy team because I can recall these games and what game he did mm-hmm. what. But he was coming <laughs> off of a hundred and sixty yard effort against the Bills 
And then Le'Veon Bell comes in, and now all of a sudden you've got a bit of a split timeshare. You've got Le'Veon Bell starting the game, Mm -hmm. and it really just seemed to – and by the way, at the end of the year, Daryl Williams was their best running back. Like, that's the guy that they relied on in doing anything. So it wasn't like there was, you know, great success with Le'Veon Bell. In fact, his addition seemed to really kind of sidetrack the Chiefs' running game. Mm. Yeah, I mean – I think here's the deal. I think with Clyde that were Alar, like the one thing that we have to see is can he can he tote it as as a workhorse? Can he be the guy they expect him to be? Because what you want to see is you want to see a guy that can not only make the plays that he made at LSU out the backfield, but can he be a premier number one? Because when the Chiefs are rolling, it's because the run game was there. And look, this this was a bad period. I understand why they had to make the move with Kareem Hunt, but honestly. The offense that they had with Kareem Hunt, where they had the balance part of it with the run game, that was the most dangerous offense mm-hmm. that the Chiefs had put out. And I know that was a little bit before Pat Mahomes kind of took over. But if you give them a legitimate weapon in the backfield where defenses have to really commit to defending the run and the pass, that's when the Chiefs are their most dangerous. Joining us is our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Adam Kaplan. And Adam, just to fill you in on the conversation that – that Bucky and I were having a Le'Veon Bell on a social media Instagram post <laughs> saying that he will uh, he would retire. He would never play for Andy Reid again. Quote, I'd retire first, end quote. How surprised are you with comments uh, from Le'Veon Bell about Andy Reid? Well, well, I could just tell you it didn't work. Bell looked uncomfortable. Um, they didn't really he, – he's got such a unique running style. He's a stop and start running back. And he looked uncomfortable when he got a chance to play. They really needed him last year because Clyde Edwards-Alaire was really not ready to be their full-time starter. And it just didn't work with Bell, and he probably wasn't happy. I mean, I'm not surprised. He's been sort of an outspoken guy anyway. Look, this is a guy who took a year off from football. So, I mean, could you really be surprised at anything that he says? <laughs> I, Bucky didn't want to say it, but I said it. I said that he was the league leader in bad decisions, Le'Veon Bell. So it was that bad. Was... I mean, look. That was a bit, and, and the running back, Bucky knows this from scouting. Running back shelf life is short. I mean, it it was a bad mistake. Um, very talented guy, though. Really was an amazing football player uh, for the Steelers, but he's on his last legs. I don't know how much he really has left. He looked bad with the Chiefs. Now, again, it, it didn't work from a blocking standpoint. He just was never synced up with his offensive line. It's very obvious when watching him how bad he looked, but you can't. You don't know if it was the, it just the timing or is it or his leg shot. We don't know, but he doesn't have a job right now. No, nah, it, it's funny. And also to, to come out publicly with a shot like that when you have so many guys that are connected to Andy Reid in the league. Yeah, not coaches, a smart thing. Just not, not really a smart thing. So here's what some would say is not a smart thing. If you're Mark Murphy, wh- why? why? Why do you air your grievances with Aaron Rodgers like that so the world can, can, can hear it? Yeah, I was surprised. Like last weekend, they had that, that mailbag that came out on the Packers website where he talked about the – the Rodgers situation split the fan base, which I, I respect Murphy's candor, but there's really no need to go there. And then his last comments this week, I, I mean, is it, is it, how does that endear you to Aaron Rodgers? How, how will this help you get him back when we get when training camp, when they have to report to training camp on July 27th? It just made no sense to me. It, Mark Murphy right now is best off saying absolutely nothing. And um, quite frankly, the, if the coaches want to go on record, say how much they want him back, go right ahead. Uh, but uh, the general manager, obviously, as well, who's who's drawn Rogers' ire, 
But there's really no reason for anyone to say anything right now because you can only make it worse. And it is the story, by the way. There's really it's this is the quiet time in the National Football League. This is the story leading up to training camp. Nothing comes close to it. And, and by the way, it should be no surprise that this Mark Murphy is the second favorite all-time Mark Murphy of Packer fans. The bald-headed safety of the 1980s was a more popular Mark Murphy than this one. Number old 37, you remember him, Kaplan? It was, no, that's Mike Pryor. This is actually Mike Pryor you're no, talking about. If I'm no, not it isn't. There was a Mark Murphy, number 37. Yes, this is, yeah, they had 19, yeah the 1980s. Or Mike Pryor. Mike Pryor. Wasn't it Mike? Oh, I don't know who that guy is. Yeah. I just know Mike Pryor was a bald safety for the, the Packers yeah, in the he, 90s. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this this is a different Mark Murphy. God, I don't know that guy. Yeah. People, yeah. yeah, people thought that, oh, he's the guy. And it's like, no, it was a different guy. This is a redheaded guy. Anyway, we'll we'll move on. So Sean McVay, Adam Kaplan joining us here on, yeah. on Fox Sports Radio. Sean McVay now is saying, man, I'm happier this offseason. You know, this is I, – I feel better. Like, like what, what are we hearing about the Rams? Are these expectations real? Does Matthew Stafford make that much of a difference for this team now in the NFC West? Now let's start down with the latter. Yes, he does. Um, the way that I understand it w- with Jared Goff, you know, obviously they've got the Super Bowl with him. He is a talent quarterback, former first a pick overall in 2016. But you're very limited in terms of what passes you're going to ask him to make. He's, he did well when everything was highly structured for him. And, you know, you roll him out, you, you roll him away from the defense, and things would work out for him. But when, when he was under pressure, and when he was out of structure, he struggled a little bit more. And with Matthew Stafford, first of all, he's got a much better arm. There's so much more you can do with Stafford. He's obviously much more accomplished in terms of longevity. Now, Jared Goff goes to Detroit, and we'll see how that works out for him. But I know they're excited to have Stafford. And, and I'll say this one thing about what McVeigh said. He was just responding about having Matthew Stafford. He was not talking about Jared Goff, and he had to clarify his comments. He was a little bit disappointed. He thought he was taken out of context, context with that quote. And I have the full quote, so I, I've seen it and I've seen the, the, the other quotes. So I, I, I get what he meant, but let's call it like it is. He wanted, he, wanted, he wanted Matthew Stafford. He did not want Jared Goff. He had kind of moved on. That's the truth. I could tell you uh, everything I've gathered in the, from, from people who would know. Um, he just wanted to move on, on from Jared Goff. Uh, I, I strongly believe it's just what I, I said a, a minute ago. There's so much more you could do with Matthew Stafford in terms of your pass game. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, it's, it, it seems funny, like the, the quarterback situation and how quickly teams are falling in and out of love with quarterbacks. Um, there's been positive conversations uh, coming out of Miami about Tua Tungvaluwa. What have you been able to uncover when you made phone calls down that way? Yeah, it is. It's better because he's got a better understanding. Though, of course, the change in the offense once again, Chan Gailey's gone, and that that's probably the easiest offense to learn. Um, this is going to be more of a run-based offense um, with the great Eric Studisville, more of the run game designer. And George Godsey probably will be the play caller. He called plays under Bill O'Brien for a bit. Uh, so at least they have that experience. They've loaded up at wide receivers. There's probably no team deeper now in the National Football League at wide receiver than the Dolphins are. They're legit seven deep. I don't know if they'll make the team to get Albert Wilson back from the opt-out, Alan Hearns back from the opt-out, to give him some veteran depth, trade for the signing of Will Fuller. So he's got to miss one more game through his six-game suspension, but he's one of the best deep threats in the league. Jalen Waddell, their first-round pick, who, um, quite frankly, there's some teams that had him as a top-three player. And it's got Devontae Parker's gift and Mike Kosicki at tight end. They're, they're loaded, and they've, they've revamped their offensive line. So they've built around to it. It's now it's time for him to take the next step up. But we've talked about this on FSR before. Is Brian Flores going to pull him when things aren't going well? No one plays perfect every game. So – 
Last year, he, he pulled him twice, and it would have been a third time had Ryan Fitzpatrick not been on the COVID list in Week 17 against Buffalo, where Tua did not play well. They, they, they got blown out. So you just wonder what's going to be the patience level. I, I've never seen anything like this before where you have a relief quarterback. Like, okay, my quarterback's not playing well. Let's bring in the, let's bring in the relief pitcher. It doesn't work like that. Brian Flores has done a good job, but that situation is not the way that you build confidence in a young quarterback. Um, that situation, if we did, what are top 10 storylines for the National Football League this season in terms of the regular season, not the training camp? That's one as we head to, once we get to late August, will, will, will Brian Flores show patience in Tua? Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, joining us at Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Dan Bayer. He's Bucky Brooks. Uh, full disclosure, Adam, it was going to start tomorrow, but I'm in uh, today with you. I was going to yep. just start to ask fantasy football questions as well, because I told Bucky yeah. about an hour ago, I said, mm-hmm. listen, I am, I am so excited for the 2021 NFL season, more so than any other season in recent memory. And fantasy football plays a, a part of it, for but sure. I also know people are prepping for their drafts and what's coming up. I want to go to D.C. in the, in the role of Antonio Gibson. Ron Rivera yeah. seems pretty high on what he can do. Can Gibson handle the type of role that maybe Rivera dreams of with the Washington football team? He can. The only thing is he, you know, he's had this lingering turf toe injury. He's not completely over it. That would concern me. I was talking to Ryan Silverfield, his head coach from Memphis a couple of weeks ago. And the interesting thing about Gibson is he was a 235-pound slot receiver. Like, I've never seen anything like this. So because of his size, they had an opening after Daryl Henderson left, who's now with the Rams, and they moved him to running back. And they were on to something. You know, he had to learn how to play running back, and he was great last year. I mean, remember, they had no offseason. He had to – talking to Washington, they, they didn't want to give over, overload him with volume, but mm-hmm. he's, he could be a breakout player. I'm just a little bit concerned about this turf toe. I need to learn about it more about it. I'll be at the training camp for a couple of days, and so I'll see. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's really gifted. What a story he's been. I love Curtis Samuel. I, I like their offseason. I'm, I'm still skeptical about Ryan Fitzpatrick being a starter for 17 games, however. Mm. Skepticism, skepticism everywhere. How about Julio Jones? Yeah, I know. How about Julio Jones in Tennessee? How do you feel? Love it. Yeah, yeah, love it. I I do. Talking to the Titans, they they seem as an upgrade over Corey Davis, who did have a breakout season last year, but they were not going to pay him $12.5 million. Look, they've been on this thing. They were the team that showed the most interest really from day one. Um, They just, they're John Robinson, the GM, is super aggressive. He's a a play-to-win now guy. He's been like that. And this is a play-to-win situation. They won the division last year, three playoffs three out of the last four years. You know, the Colts are going to be good. The Jaguars are going to be improved. Texans are, are not going to be very good. They'll probably be the NFL's worst team, or one of the bottom three or four. But it's a competitive division, and they're trying to get a leg up. And, look, you, you now have A.J. Brown and, and, and Julio Jones, two of the most physical receivers. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do. I, I, I like the move. I, I kind of thought this would happen talking to – people close to the situation there was really no one else from what i understand it was close to what the titans were able to to offer though i would tell you the titans if they're going to be as good as we all think that's going to be a low second round pick that they're getting you can hear him on the Inside the Birds podcast. You can hear him on Sirius XM NFL Radio. And you can hear him right here as our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Adam Kaplan. I'm talking to Adam more than my wife over these last couple of days. So <laughs> Crazy, man. Y- y- yeah, I week know. Too. Yeah. yeah, we'll do it again tomorrow, and I'll ask you more fantasy football questions as well. How about Sounds that? Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> good, right. guys. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Get him on Twitter, at Kaplan NFL. The joke that, that I had was last year I tried to disguise it, Bucky. In a holdover fantasy league, I had Miles Sanders on my team, and obviously Adam is locked in with the Eagles. Every other week, I would ask a Miles Sanders question and what the Eagles were doing. 
for my own personal benefit. So I figured now, instead of just trying to use it for my own benefit, let's let's spread it out to the masses because the fantasy football magazines are going to be hitting the news shelves and and people are going to want to go out, go to the grocery store, pick up the old magazine, get ready for your fantasy football season. Mm, fantasy football, wait, right coming up there, on us. There, there's two hmms to Bucky. That was a hmm. I don't know about it. And then there's the Hmm. No, no. Where fan, you, fan, you want to never, agree, but you yeah, don't want to say publicly. No, 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 no. It never, it never, it never stops. Like fantasy football <laughs> is such a big thing. Like we're always trying to figure out who's next. But my big question to you will be: How many teams do you manage and operate during the fall? Me? Yeah. One. Good. Okay, yes. I'm with that. I yes. am with that. It's too hard for me. Um, I had to get off the the fantasy football thing because. It was too much. I was obsessing over it. It changed the way that I watch games. Um, I Completely played in the does. league. I played in the league one time where you could actually make moves during the game. Like it didn't have the mandatory freeze until Tuesday, sure. so I would see people limp off, and I would go and make moves <laughs> right away yeah. to acquire people and stuff <laughs> like that. So it was a bit of a session. I had to put it down for a minute, but maybe. Maybe I can make a return to fantasy football. So. Why, why did we get rid of DirecTV? Well, we were on a 20-second delay, and I wasn't <laughs> being able to pick up guys as soon as they got hurt. So that's, unfortunately, the guy who had cable beat me to it. That's why. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Bayer. I want to get your thoughts on Julio Jones and his fit with the Titans. That's after David Gascon gives us the latest of what's happening. What's going on, Dave? Guys, uh, I do recommend it's a new year, so it's a new a new season for you guys. <laughs> Um, why not invest in two, two teams? I, you know, I did mm. try last year. Did not care about one of them. What? Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. That was that was just the problem. Is I actually did dabble for the first time in twenty over twenty five years of playing fantasy football. I'm like, I'll do two teams, and I don't even care about it. So I don't even, you know, like I don't even consider it like another team. Well, I was gonna say, Dan, since you know this, mm-hmm. and I've bragged about this to you in confidence. Um, I mean, one professionally and one at the amateur level. Mm. College oh. football. I'm, oh, that's right. I'm, I'm going to call Dave's it fantasy in the most football. whacked out college right? football league that is so awesome yeah. because they only take it from leagues that actually score points. Yeah. So, so mm. it's it, the, yeah. The, the kicker is, is we use it as an auction league this past season. So each week you have you have a certain dollar amount. You have a thousand dollars of of fake money, and each player is graded on a certain dollar amount, and you can pick as many guys from any conference. For your roster, but if obviously it totals higher than a thousand, then you can't keep those players. Um, so last season, I, I loaded up. I went Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, Mac Jones, and then I would add like Coastal Carolina's defense uh, or a bunch of other teams that were were loading up on those specialties. But yeah, we would use the Mac, the Mountain West Conference, the SEC, the Big Twelve, and Independence as a college football fantasy league. It was pretty awesome. Little, That's in depth. Yeah, it is. It's uh, a little psycho, but yeah. I mean, because <laughs> you think about it, because the leagues that we're in, you're usually getting point totals between what 100 and maybe like 160. Um, you know, those leagues in college fantasy that go over 200. Like, there's there's one league that I was in two years ago that had Rashad Penny that had a punt return, a kickoff return, and then 200 yards rushing in a home game. And so you're, you're winning games just on Rashad Penny alone. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, uh, speaking of that, guys, uh, Major League Baseball today, White Sox 13-2 over the Tigers. Brian Goodwin's driven in four so far. He's two for three in that contest. 
Pirates and Brewers. Milwaukee now has a 7-4 lead. They were down 4-2. Mets 3, Padres 1. Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a home run in this contest. Blue Jays 6-1 over the Red Sox right now. It's in the top of the fifth inning. NBA Clippers and Jazz, obviously, tonight. National Hockey League will continue tomorrow. Uh, college baseball seen today Notre Dame and Mississippi State super regional Mississippi State one game one nine eight Vanderbilt beat East Carolina they're heading back to Omaha I guess the one other team that Buck is invested in Dan I don't know if you you know this or have inquired about it but um, he's the head coach of a certain local team here oh, in Los oh yeah no I am well aware I was actually going to propose you should sell Elway throwback jerseys at game. <laughs> I think that no, I think it would raise money for the team. Like if you had a Granada Hills Elway jersey, like a throwback. You, do you not know that his entire roster hates me? Really? Yeah. I, I condemned his football program last year Uh-oh. on national radio. In a broadcast? Or, no, oh, no, on a national radio. Okay. On that. Oh, I mean, he crushed it. Man. He crushed it. <laughs> He crushed at the gas house. We point to the press box and hoping that he's there one day after, <laughs> after, after games. I can tell you a funny story about the Elway thing. You talk about the jersey, right? So in my naivete, um, when we got uniforms the first year, we get all the numbers or whatever. And I was like, hey, no, no, no. Hey, no number seven. Like, leave number seven out of there. We don't want to, don't want to do that. Like, hey, it's a sacred number or whatever. Only to find out he didn't wear seven in high school. Oh, really? <laughs> he wore 11. He wore 11. <laughs> so, oh, so hey, we, your heart was in the right place. We, we prematurely <laughs> removed a number that wasn't his number. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. The kid that wore number 11 had no idea the responsibilities no and the no tradition idea. that was on his shoulders. No idea. Uh, no idea. You, any any chance of getting our uh, sack sacks again where we gave you ideas instead of turnover chain? If a guy oh, got a sack, no, no. they get to either play a saxophone or jump into a knapsack or like a sleeping bag. No. I, I think that's better no than turnover me. chain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no no gimmicks. No all, gimmicks. all right. You've That's got a piece hilarious. at NFL.com ranking the top five pass-catching duos in the National Football League. Now, I wouldn't have blamed you if you had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on that list when he was a member of the Atlanta Falcons, meaning Julio Jones. But he's no longer a member of the Falcons. He's now a member of the Tennessee Titans. So, with him and A.J. Brown, do they crack your top five? Of course they tear it, crack my top five. I got them second. I have them right behind Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey because, look, it's pass-catching duo. So with the semantics, it allows me to put tight ends in there. But I love this combination that they have with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Big, physical, he- like heavyweights. Like, just think about this this offense. You have two guys that are 225 pounds at wide receiver in Jones and A.J. Brown, respectively. You now have a 250-pound tailback in Derrick Henry, you got this big, beefy offensive line. I mean, they're just going to lean on you. If you have one of these small, fast defenses that you've really gone with the little guys because you wanted to be able to get up to the quarterback and really pursue them, man, good luck. Good luck trying to find your way with those big guys on the perimeter. I love this thing. And look, Julio Jones alluded to it when he talked about a picture-poison offense. They just can come at you in so many different ways with the run game and the pass game. Chiefs one, Titans two, then the Seahawks with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett oh, three. Yeah, yeah. 
Buccaneers four. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that, that a misprint? Let me look. Nah. No, I guess it is four. Nah. I guess Buccaneers it. four. Minnesota Vikings at five with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I I don't mind that at five. I'm just you know Evans and Godwin are great receivers, but now with Brady, you even admitted it was more of a defensive laden you know or led team. You know, there were games where Mike Evans had two catches for two yards. I know. And they, were, they happened to be touchdowns. So. I know. It, look, it was tough. But then my biggest point would be who replaced him? Who do I put in their spot? Like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods aren't quite – not enough star mm-hmm. power for me. Keenan uh, Allen, Mike Williams? They're fine, but it's more Keenan Allen than Mike Williams, right? Sure. Um, sure. And then – who's the other one I get quizzed on? Oh, the Cowboys. Amari Cooper – but now I'm like, well, who's the second guy? Is it yeah, Michael Gallup or C.D. Lamb? No, it's C.D. Lamb. Yeah, you and I both like, know it's C.D. Lamb right, during the next season. Know, so, I don't know. It's tough. That's All what, right. But but I don't believe in ties. So, when it's, <laughs> it's five, five is not five A, B, and C. No. No ties and no honorable mention list. Right? Uh I like that. I, I hate that. Here's my top 20. Just missed the list. No, and then no, no, almost no, no, there. No, no, oh, no, no. My. I, want, I want all of it. I want all the smoke. I want all the people to be upset that I left your favorite combination out. Bring, um, bring, bring that smoke to Bucky Brooks on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter, Dan Byer, at Dan Byer on Fox. You can bring the smoke for Bucky's NBA picks on who's going to win the title. Yes, Brooks and Dunn is next here on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> Fox Sports Saturday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Bucky Brooks. NBA playoffs tonight. Jazz and Clippers coming up in under two hours in their game three. And what better time to dust off the old boombox and strike up the band as when Bucky and I get together, we like to play a game of Brooks and Dunn. Are you ready, Bucky? I am absolutely ready. I look forward to it. Bucky knows how this is played. Uh, If you don't, if you're just hearing it for the first time, uh, yeah, you got Brooks and Dunn in the background, but Bucky's going to tell you if this team is done or not. We're talking about the NBA playoffs. There are eight teams left, maybe seven, but there are eight teams technically still alive to win the NBA title. Bucky's going to tell us if they have a legitimate chance to win or if they are done. Okay, let's start with what transpired last night. Suns and Nuggets. Suns go into Denver and go up 3-0 with the win. Do the Suns have a legitimate chance at winning the NBA title? Oh, absolutely. They're in the mix. They're the team to be coming out the West. What about the Denver Nuggets who are down 0-3? Oh, it's done. It's done deal. <laughs> one, two, three, that, Cancun. That, that, is the, that is the case. What about the team that's down 0-2 that is at home tonight? The Clippers, do they still have a chance to win the NBA title down 0-2 to the Jazz? I don't know. I think the big thing for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is where do they want a vacation? Do they want to do it on the Pacific side or the Atlantic side? Because they are done, done, done. Ooh, done. And did you hear there's a fifth ocean now? <laughs> you hear about that? Well, no, that's what we're going to talk about that later. What about the Utah Jazz who are up 2-0? You just said you think that the Suns could come out of the West, but what about the Jazz? Oh, I like the, the Jazz. Seed? I like Spidey Mitchell, but, man, he's – I won't say he's a one-man show, but he is a big deal. Um, I think they have a mix. I think they're the mix. I give them and the Suns 50-50. All right. Flip. All right. Uh, the Nets are up 2-1 on the Milwaukee Bucks. What about the Brooklyn Nets? Oh, they're good to go. Like penciled him in. Sure. Bucks got back into the series with a game three win. Do the Bucks still have a chance or are they done? They are done, done, done. Everything Anybody went their way and it still was a struggle for them to win. They're done. 
Is anybody else here booing? I, I hear booing on that decision. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's Giannis. Maybe y'all are booing Giannis taking those deep shots. Oh, that is true. <laughs> what about the 76ers who went up 2-1 with a win in Atlanta yesterday? Uh, oh, I like the Sixers. I like the Sixers in the mix. They're, 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 they're there. Like it's Philly and Philly and Brooklyn. All right. And finally, the Atlanta Hawks, who uh, dropped that game to Philadelphia, led by Trey Young, the Sixers take back home court. Are the Hawks in it or are they done? This pains me because Nate McMillan's from my hometown. Used to get haircut in the same barbershop. He's a legend in the area. He'll get a chance to go back to the area real soon. By the beginning of next week, he'll be back. <laughs> he'll be back. He'll be back in Raleigh checking out White's barbershop. All right, and just so we can pour that salt into the wounds, uh, what about the Lakers? Where do, where do you have the Lakers? Where, where are the <laughs> Lakers right now when it comes to NBA champions? Are they uh, in it or are they done? They're done. They're done. They're done for the foreseeable future. It's a wrap. <laughs> all done. Oh, all right. There it is. Brooks and Dunn. Another episode here on Fox Sports Radio, this time an NBA version. Wow. All right. We have that time perfectly out now with that with that song. I realize mm-hmm. got to give you about eight or ten answers and then we can find out. By the way, you had four in and four out. The four in Jazz, Suns, Sixers, and all Nets. Chalk. No, that no still have all chalk. Just just like that <laughs> ranking of top wide receiver duos. Get, uh, all, all chalk. Get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me, Dan Beyer, on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. The college football playoffs expanding to 12. I'll tell you what changes in college football coming up next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're A figuring out. And if we had been recording these last 
four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Rolling along on a Saturday, get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. You heard Dave say NBA action, Jazz Clippers tonight in Game Three. I, I'm very intrigued, and we'll we'll dive into this game in about 30 minutes or so, just because of what is at stake and what the Clippers' past has been, and we'll see if they uh, if they're able to take advantage of it or if it will come back to haunt them. That coming up at the bottom of the hour, but we we start with the news from college football that is still, I think, taking a while to digest. I admit, immediately when I heard 12 schools being the the number of teams being allowed in the college football playoff, I didn't like it. My initial reaction was mostly negative. There are some things that I don't mind about it. There are a few things that I think that are good about it. So I've I've warmed a little on it. But in this day and age where warming doesn't do you anything, you don't want to sit in the fence. I guess overall, I'm not a huge fan, but I may just have to come to grips with what we've got. I, Bucky, just didn't understand on why you just jumped to 12 so quickly. It took so long to just go from two to four, and it took you long enough to just get the two best teams on the field, let alone to have an actual playoff. But now to go from four to 12, to me, was just such a drastic jump that I don't think that you can put uh, you can put that back in the box. I think now if you're going anywhere after 12, it would be 16 uh, instead of just maybe going to six or eight and then later on moving to 12. I think that was a a mistake by the college football playoff committee. Uh, see, I, I, I disagree because I actually like 12 because I've always felt like they should make it closer to the lower level playoffs. The lower level playoffs, you have 16 teams. Um, you don't have the buys, but that's how it's always been done, and it's worked. We've seen teams like North Dakota State continue to be a dynasty and, and win multiple titles in that format. I thought that format would have worked. 12 is kind of right in the sweet spot. I felt like 6 or 8, you're still going to have the discussion, uh, which team should be in, which team should be out, those things. I think 12, there are really no excuses. Um, you should be able to get the 12 best teams. You should be able to get the best teams in the conversation and in the tournament. And then however, whatever happens in the tournament happens. But I think 12 gives us just enough to be happy with everything. And it rewards the teams at the top that have played great. It rewards them by giving them a bye week the first round. But maybe maybe that's what the this uh, committee recommendation should have looked at is when you mentioned the FCS and you see the dominance that North Dakota State has had over the past decade you know, that, that tells me that maybe it's not as different from the FBS. Was the 16th best team in the FCS really have a legitimate shot at going and winning a national championship? Probably not. And and, and that's where I think, like, of even of the 12th best school. I, I, I give an option, and, and, I, and I do think that there has to be – there has to be a path. Like, mm-hmm. whether you like the college, the NCAA tournament or not with the automatic bids when it comes to basketball, there is still a path for every school, and that was one of the college football's biggest bugaboos, was you could do everything right, and it's still not good enough. I think if they could figure out a path for those schools, and maybe it wouldn't always work out every year, but to at least have some sort of path to get there, 
I think would have been sufficient enough, but instead now he just opened up about, you know, five different paths for teams that may just not be as worthy. Um, Look, I, I still, I still think 12 works because um, the biggest thing that we've heard from afar has been a, the group of fives don't have a chance Well, this guarantees that we should get one, maybe multiple group of five teams in the conversation in the tournament. And then they have an opportunity to kind of prove their worth and prove that they're worthy enough to, um, make their move. And so I think it it opens up the field. I think it makes the regular scene, regular season more compelling because what did it boil down to before? I mean, we we're talking about the same four to six teams each and every year. When that opens up the conversation, we now can have a, a broader discussion. We now can give teams that wouldn't normally be in the national championship hunt, uh, we can give them a little attention. So you talked about the Appalachian states of the world, the Coastal Carolinas of the world. Um, Cincinnati and some of those other teams that we normally would never really view them as legitimate contenders, they at least can be in the conversation. They can get in the tournament. They can have. They can swing. They can take a swing. And so you talk about wanting to have a legitimate David Inge live um, matchup. Well, maybe we can have that now. This is and and I've I've laid out three things that I think will happen now because of what is likely to be expansion in the college football playoff and. We don't necessarily know exactly when it is going to expand to 12 schools. We'll find that out once uh, once it is officially passed. But it will come in the in the not so distant future, whether it be in the next two to five years. I think we will we will see that that change uh, to 12 teams. I would say probably in two years. I don't know how you could put it off five more years and continue it this way. But the current agreement, I believe, goes through uh, 2026. So that's what would make that. Point being is this. I think that there are three things that you need to look out for when and if and when this takes change. And I think they're a big deal because the argument that I've heard, and this is this is number one, is that more regular season games will matter. You're talking about now teams fighting for that 12 spot or that 11 or to get one of those final at-large bids of the of the fifth and sixth schools. And while I say that's true, the top tier games then won't matter. So you and I talked a bit about this earlier, but the Alabama LSU tilt to decide usually the winner of the SEC West every year likely won't have the same amount of oomph and carry that same amount of passion now with this format. And maybe an Ole Miss-Texas A&M game to battle for that final at-large spot will have more of that gusto. You're not going to have that with an Alabama LSU game when Alabama likely would already be in the playoff. And I know LSU had a down year last year, but let's just say they're going to be in contention. Those teams could already likely have their spots locked up into the playoffs. So I think that while, yeah, you say that there are going to be more meaningful games in the regular season, yeah, that, that that's true that those bottom teams are, but even for the top teams, the games aren't going to matter anymore. And, and that's what I think is going to be a big missing thing in college football. So I, so I'm putting that at number one, and I'll, I'll even add this, Bucky, to that. I don't know why a school would want to now schedule a marquee non-conference game. I don't know why you would want, you know, Alabama taking on a USC or an Ohio State facing an Oregon. I don't know why you would do that if you were a top school, knowing that your likely path is just to do well in your conference and, and maybe win your conference all playing that other game does is, to me, 
gives you another opportunity to put a loss on your resume and not get one of those at large bids. No, I actually I see it, I see it differently. But I see Well, you're wrong. No, no I see, <laughs> I, I think I think what you want to do is you want to put one of those tougher games on your schedule early because it gives you time to make up for it. And if we think about the teams because we we know it's going to be the blind resume thing at the end of the year. So if you've taken on a uh, you're Alabama, you've taken on SC, or you've taken on another powerhouse, and you've slipped in your conference. Well, if you get hot at the right time, you still have that 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 resume builder. You still have that on your watch. And if you lose to one of those teams, you still have your ability to win your conference. I think taking on a, a, a big-time team, it opens up your path as opposed to being very conservative and throwing all your eggs into, oh, I'm going to win the conference championship basket. All right, you have your thoughts. I have mine. I just wouldn't want to I'd be like, all right, I'd rather just run just through my play, conference. You're just going to be you can be scared, and then if you get tripped up, then you're going to complain because you went 9-1 in the conference and you lost <laughs> one game and you hey. don't get it because you didn't play anybody. You played all directional schools hey. in the month of September. Alabama's done that for a lifetime, and they play these, and I'm using air quote, neutral site games where their only neutral site games are in places where their fans can drive to. Well, like your mean, neutral no, site I mean, game in Alabama is not. It's still a not, neutral site? Uh, yeah, when 70,000 Crimson Tide fans are there. Mm. I mean, like, come on, let's let's be real. They've been, they're, they're, you know, November cupcake, I don't have as much of a problem with as opposed to, as opposed to all of their neutral site games as we use air quotes. Uh, Sports Hutch tweeted us earlier in this show laying out a scenario saying if you're a top SEC team maybe in the, uh, you know, around the number eight range in the SEC East and you lose a conference championship game and now all of a sudden you're out of it where a team that doesn't lose an SEC championship game, like maybe that LSU team that I'm talking about because they didn't get into the game, has an advantage for of of being because they didn't have that extra loss to a top seeded Alabama team. That's something that's going to play out, I, I believe. Or it could lead to number two, the thing that I think you're going to see. You touched on this earlier. I think you're going to see a bunch of SEC teams get those at large bids, and I don't think that's any surprise. But the argument that we always get in college football, and it it drives me nuts, maybe because I'm not an SEC guy, is. But who do you think would win if they played? And usually with the persona and the narrative that is with the SEC, you're likely going to think that the SEC team, even an 8-3 and three Florida, would go and beat a Penn State, or they would go and beat an Oregon, or they would go beat an Iowa State. And I don't think that's true, but I think because of the at-large bids and how you perceive schools, I think the SEC is going to dominate those at-large bids. Well, I mean, I think the SEC will probably get three teams in, right? I think I think that's what we'll see. They always have two teams in, but I think it'll be it'll fluctuate between two to three teams. But let's be honest, the conference has been the best conference. I mean, I know we can say it's been tilted because of Alabama, but I mean, what other teams can rival it? Like we have Clemson, we have Ohio State, we have Oklahoma and Alabama. Those have been the teams that have consistently shown up. Notre Dame has shown up too. There haven't been any other teams that have really played at a consistently high level to be there and so we'll see LSU has been in the mix they won a national title uh Florida has been in those games but they haven't necessarily been impressive so I would think that you will probably see the SEC West and the SEC East champions in the mix unless it's just a weird thing where the team that wins the East kind of somehow finds a path that they win but they're a, a eight and well, three team 
Well, th- this is interesting. In number one, you and I know that it shouldn't. Past history in college sports should not dictate what goes on mm-hmm. in those seasons. You can't say mm-hmm. that, well, a Georgia team made it to the national championship three years ago, so they should be considered a better team than a Penn State or an Oregon that may be on the outside looking in. Like, you can't say that, but that's what we, what, what is being told to us or what's being, you know, pushed on us. And your point about three is not far off. And I would say this, if the, if the season in 2020 was used in this format that we're going to, you would have had four SEC schools. Which four teams would have been? You would have had Alabama being the conference champ. Mm-hmm. You then would have had Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia all make the, the 12. So okay, which one, okay, of, which, which one of those teams don't you like? Well, I'm just, I, I'm just saying that uh, Florida was a three-loss team. Like, we already know enough about that. Okay, so we throw, so we throw Florida. Who, who would we have replaced Florida with? What team would have replaced them? Um, let's would, just uh, – how about your alma mater of North Carolina? Okay, North Carolina's going to win. They played Texas A&M pretty well without their people. Okay, all right. So I get that. But, but and, and now you're, and you're talking to a guy who doesn't think that there should be 12 teams. So, like, I'm not even worried about replacing teams. I'm just talking about teams that aren't even worthy of, of, of being there. Like, there should be enough done in the SEC season for us to know who are the top two teams in okay. that league. But in the, this scenario, how it would have played out – we would have had four SEC teams, which, by the way, would not be fair to Alabama, who won the freaking league. Okay, so, like, so here's the thing. Okay, so here's the alternative, though. The alternative would be, okay, we have these 12 teams that are in. We see a fully stocked Florida and North Carolina and all those things. The alternative is to go watch a bowl game when those teams don't have any of the players because they've all opted out. <laughs> and so, like, that's in the conversation. That's why it's really been expanded because – once those teams are eliminated from the playoffs, the players start jumping ship. They're not going to play because they're like, what am I playing for? I'm not playing for a national championship. Whereas with the expanded playoff field, you have a better chance of convincing your star player to hang with it because now we have a chance. That has to factor into it because the bowl games were not watchable this year because there's no one playing. Like it's, it's a spring game. It's Cincinnati, Georgia's spring game because – the Georgia top players aren't playing. Cincinnati's players are playing, but it's different. So we have to incentivize the players to continue to play. I, you know, bowl, bowl games now to me are about the next year, and I and I and I, I don't think that. I mean, are you are you watching it because of next year? Are you really excited to see the no. spring ball game? No, but that's but that's year? what it's that's what it's come to. I mean, you know, Christian McCaffrey sitting out a game, or Leonard yeah. Fournette sitting out those. I mean, we want to see we yeah. want to see the stars play. But we do we see care? The stars do, we, play. do we really care? Here's the other here's the other scenario that I'll lay out, and I know we got to take a timeout because there is there is another point of this college fo- football playoff that I think has got huge ramifications. But let's just say you're a Georgia team. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think it's difficult. Let's just say it's one of those years where the SEC schedule has Alabama coming to Athens. Guess what? Dogs win. Georgia's got Alabama in their rearview mirror. Ah, oh, but wait. Alabama runs the table in the SEC West. Mm-hmm. And guess who you're meeting in that SEC championship game? Oh, Georgia, Alabama again, part Great. two. Guess what? Georgia wins. But Alabama's only lost twice this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's no way that you would say that a Coastal Carolina school is better than Alabama. Alabama's only got two losses. So let's put them in the field of 12. Your national championship game, mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama for the third time. 
Like, how is that fair to Georgia to have to beat an Alabama team three times in a season to win a national championship? Right, man, man, look, that's the way the cookie crumbles. You want to win a national title, you got to beat people. Like, that's the way it, that's the way, that's the way it happens. It's ridiculous. There I mean, should but, be 12 schools. I, like, Alabama would have been eliminated if you only had six or nah, eight. There's nah, no nah, way they would have, have gotten face, into the field. You have to face the boogeyman. So if you don't oh. want to play them, you have to knock them out. And you can either knock them out early or you got to knock them out late. And so if I'm Georgia in that scenario, if you beat them twice, Alabama probably doesn't make it into the thing. They don't. You beat them twice. You beat them in the regular season. Then you beat them in the SEC championship game. Odds are it's bye-bye Alabama. But it's not a given. By the way, I knew I made a point when you said that that's how the cookie crumbles. Because I've used that a million times. I've used it a million times. Hey, hey, tough beans. Tough beans. I just hey, say tough beans. Out. That's the F- way it is. Figure it out. Like yeah. You can't skate to the title. You got to figure it out. You got to figure out who you're going to play. You can't be the Clippers. Oh, we don't want to play the last couple games of the season so we can get this matchup. And then we got to go seven games against the Mavericks. No. You line up and face who you have to face. You can't run around. Oh, he's Bucky Brooks. Get him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me, Dan Byer, on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. The biggest change that will come to college football now that the playoff has expanded to 12 schools or will expand to 12 schools, we'll tell you what it is next here on Fox Sports Saturday. Fox Sports Saturday, I'm Dan Byer. He's Bucky Brooks. Is your dad's razor older than you are? Get him something new for Father's Day. A DSC six-blade razor is perfect for an extra-close, precise shave. Get one now at a store near you or as part of a gift set at dollarshaveclub.com slash Jonas. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Jonas. College football's playoff expanding to 12 teams. And Bucky and I breaking down. I, I had some changes that I think that are that are going to take place, and I think that there's one big one out there that I think will uh, – Will actually will actually happen that we never thought that it would happen. You ready for this? I'm ready. I think Notre Dame joins the ACC full time. Yeah, they better because under this format, when a a conference mm-hmm. champion would get a first round bye, so even an undefeated Notre Dame team mm-hmm. would not get one of the top four seeds and get a bye. They would get the fifth seed would be the best that they could do. Which then, yeah, they'd get to play a home game, but that means that you'd also have to play in extra game and I think that the what Notre Dame did last year in just playing in the ACC during the pandemic and for them being able to run the table in the regular season like Mm -hmm. they did didn't matter that Clemson had you know didn't have Trevor Lawrence in that game in in South Bend they ended up playing in the ACC championship game lost to Clemson and still made the college football playoff like there was to me that tells me all Notre Dame needs to know on what uh, what type of advantage you get by joining a league. And now you join a league where you would be, what, second best school mm-hmm. program in the league? Right and, away. Yeah, you're, always, you're, already, you're already in position to vie for the title because you and Clemson are the top dog. Yeah, yeah. So to me, I think because of this, I think Notre Dame ends up joining the ACC on a, on a full-time basis. I mean, they might have tried to – pressure them into getting to a league we've talked about it for a long time they've had independent status for a long time but this look this this is great because you're right they won't have an opportunity to be one of the top four so that means they lose out on the buy they have to then kind of grind their way through it and if you're Notre Dame and you do have one of those special years where you are a number one team and you're undefeated in those things man you would hate to lose out on on the bye week the buy opportunity yeah I mean it would just be I you know there's 
there, Notre, obviously the Notre Dame brand is 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 it's mm-hmm. it is bigger than any in college football. I it, I mean it is when any mm-hmm. network gets an opportunity to broadcast a Notre Dame road game like that game is being put in the, in a prime spot. Even CBS a couple of years ago, for people that may not know this, in the CBS SEC deal that's going to expire in the next year or so, mm-hmm. they have a provision where you can designate what's going to be an 8 o'clock Eastern time kick. And LSU Alabama was always that that game. But the one year that Notre Dame and Georgia played in Athens – the SEC actually utilized that time to put the Notre Dame game in the in the SEC times eight o'clock time slot. Alabama and LSU had to play their their Joe Burrow goes to Tuscaloosa and wins game in a three thirty Eastern time kick because CBS used that window on the Notre Dame Georgia game. Now there's could have been other reasons, but that was another one to show like look at how powerful Notre Dame is. But to see the success that they had last year and. Yeah, I mean, if, if Notre Dame runs the table, they are going to be one of those top four teams. And for them to not be in a conference, if this is how the, the proposal is passed, would, would would have me saying, hey, Notre Dame, all right, it's time. And Notre Dame, Bucky has input in all of this, so they would have to know what they're getting into before even signing off and saying it's okay. They would. And, and Notre Dame plays in a conference and everything else but football. Their basketball mm-hmm. team is in the ACC. They might as well go ahead and join the ACC and be in the mix. Yeah. And they play five. They play five ACC opponents a year anyway, as part of the deal. Yeah, and it's, it's some some good ball. North Carolina goes up there and plays. They'll continue to play some of those teams. They have a budding rivalry with Clemson that is intriguing. I think the way they've set them up uh, last year, Notre Dame was in. Yeah, Notre Dame was in the opposite division of Clemson, so it always gives you an opportunity to have a Notre Dame Clemson ACC championship game, which is compelling. Notre Dame is in the same division with North Carolina. North Carolina is on the rise. So now you have a natural, um, I guess, a marquee game to play in the regular season when North Carolina takes on Notre Dame. We saw that last year. It played out on big TV. So there are a lot of things. And I know with Notre Dame, though, you, you, you're you leery of losing some of the traditional matchups, as you've talked about. Notre Dame plays SC. SC. That's mm-hmm. always a big game. Uh, we've seen Stanford. times where Stanford has been a big game. Notre Dame and Michigan, when they have elected to play, those things are big. I think you still can have some of those things. Um, it's different. But if you're Notre Dame, you don't play cupcakes anyway. You play Army. I mean, you play Army. You play teams. There's yeah. a way around it if you want to do it. I think I think it would be a good thing for them. I think it would be good for the college football playoff. And if they don't go about it, then I certainly won't uh, shed any tears because you elected not to be a part of the league. <laughs> so you don't get the spoils of, of look, you're not a champion. No, nobody would be shedding tears for Notre Dame. Nobody does anyway. Even when they get the raw end of the deal, nobody's like, man, I feel bad. When have they gotten the raw end of the deal? When has Notre Dame gotten the raw yeah. end of the deal? What <laughs> raw end of the deal fair, have they Fair gotten? point. Fair point. I was just saying, maybe if there was a scenario where they got the raw end, but I think your point is actually more apropos. I am curious about this. This would actually be more of a facilities thing. Remember when Brett Favre got knocked out uh, playing for the Minnesota Vikings, kind of end of his ended his career mm-hmm. at the concussion. Do you remember where he suffered that injury? Because I know it, I know the answer. But no, I don't. That, I don't. When it, when it get so out. they remember the, the the Metrodome was torn down, so they were building U.S. Bank Stadium. So they were playing at the home of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mm. Now that field, the the way that it was it was built, there was there was not heating coils put under the field. 
And it's the one thing that I wonder with some of these more northern schools, if you're going to play a quarterfinal game, you know, in December, what you would have to do, maybe facility wise, you know, maybe, you know, a game in Columbus or a game in Happy Valley or, you know, who knows what, you know, what you could get at Pullman, Washington. We know how cold that it could get. However, if you get into those, you know, there, there are sometimes December days that are, you know, in the. 30s and 20s the late november early december like there is a difference and i just wonder if there would be any if any of the schools would have to make any adjustments to a playing surface although even if they didn't no. i can't wait to see an sec team coming up north to play a team in cold weather no i think i think that's i mean that's a huge advantage and i would say this this is veers off topic i believe that the minnesota vikings and they should they should never be a a dome well, team because you well, give away your your advantage, and so I think if you're a team that has an outdoor stadium that is favorable for you, mm-hmm. you absolutely, especially one of those cold weather teams, you want you want to be able to host a game. And I mean, like the shoe. Agre- yes, agreed. Know? The point the point that I made though is the field was frozen, and so when Favre hits his head on the ground, it's like hitting on an ice block. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was the only issue. Like even like you play games I mean, in Lambeau, like the turf is the turf I mean, is warm. I mean, it's yellow, but it's you know. I mean, oh, it's, okay. Like, like let, let me let me let me dispel this 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 myth about the turf being warm. Just because there are coils up under the turf okay. that heat the turf up, make no mistake, the turf isn't warm. Okay, it's just it's just it's just not all the way frozen. Warm, it's not, it's Can I add warm. an er? To I mean, it? there's a reason why everyone is sitting hey. on the heated bench, not hey. because the turf is. Warm. I'll tell you what. Would you rather fall on hardwood floors or carpet? Okay, I'm just uh. saying you're gonna you're gonna fall on carpet because maybe it'll. Give you just a little bit more cushioning. That's all. That's all that I'm saying. I, uh, yeah, not like man. This grass is nice and hot. Let me let me keep this. I I just think it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as dangerous to to schools. I that was a bad spot by me. That was a, a <laughs> warmer maybe would be the. Uh, but it was true. Like the only play you didn't play games into de- December. Like the the latest that you would play a game would be late November. So you wouldn't you know a home game. And then your regular season ends, and but I, they, uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the case. I, that's changed now, though. I believe that is that has changed. That's just one of the things that you're going to get with the uh, college football playoff. But we will see Notre Dame in the ACC, I believe, once this thing passes. All right, he's Bucky Brooks. Find him on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer, and that is with an ER at the end. Coming up next are the Clippers in a spot that they relish. We'll talk about it after David Gascon gives us the latest of what's happening. What's going on, Dave? Guys, you're talking a lot of college football. I, I need to know, at least into the crystal ball of Bucky Brooks, will Javante Williams be good next season? Mm. I don't know. It depends on what sweet nothings I whisper in his ear based upon what I get from Gascon and all the abuse that I've suffered at his hands. <laughs> I guess it depends on what kind of I, what kind of I stuff. love him. I mean, I love him he's, next year. Hey, he's talented. I think the, look, the Broncos have a chance. The quarterback situation is a situation. They just don't need to turn the ball over. Defense is good enough. The running game has improved under Mike Munchak. He's a dude. I mean, Javante Williams is a dude. And then you still got Melvin Gordon who's, eh, hmm. Now, right. are, you, are you when I guess because Dan was mentioning fantasy football talk um, a little while ago with yes. magazines and newspapers. 
Um, Dan, do you have an over-under on when Bucky will begin his Sam Howell for Heisman talk? Oh. <laughs> the campaign will start soon. I know uh, that. You know, look, I, I, I won't campaign it, but I will say my podcast partner, Danny Jeremiah, made a loose <laughs> comparison between Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield. Take oh, my. It, take, it, take it as you wish. Take it as you wish. Oh, my. Well, it was great last year, obviously, with Williams and Michael Carter in the backfield. So Yeah, it'll be, it'll be different. He's lost some weapons, but he – He's talented. I All like right. the Baker Mayfield reference, though. Oh, my. Guys, uh, since we're there, college ranks today. Uh, Vanderbilt in college baseball moving on to Omaha. They beat East Carolina, Mississippi State, 9-8 winners over Notre Dame. LSU at number two, Tennessee underway right now. And Tigers leading one to nothing in that one. Arizona and Ole Miss later on tonight. NC State upset Arkansas 6-5. Major League Baseball, Yankees and Phillies now deadlocked at 7 apiece. Yankees did come back. They were down 7-4. Angels have also come back. They were down to the Diamondbacks. They now lead 8-7. White Sox smashing the Tigers 15-2. Brewers 7-4 the Pirates. Earlier today, the Mets were triumphant. They beat the San Diego Padres 4-1. Marcus Stroman picked up the W. He's He's got a 6-4 record, but a 2.33 ERA in the season. Blue Jays beat the Red Sox in Boston. 7-2 was the final. And finally, we're about an hour away from opening tip-off in Los Angeles. Clippers and the Jazz. It's the only game in the NBA tonight. Mike Conley not playing in this ball game. Steps for game four is in doubt. Same thing doing in the Eastern Conference side of things with Danny Green, Philadelphia 76ers. He's listed as questionable for Monday night against the ATL. Guys, back to you. Dave, did I tell you about my new podcast? Which one you got? Yeah, it's it's about I, – I love mozzarella sticks. So I'm, like, going around to different restaurants and stuff and, like, trying their mozzarella sticks. It's called Move the Sticks. That's what it's called. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's delicious. It tells you about what – where you can get the best mozzarella sticks when you are going out and about dining now that we can start to dine again. You should have a new podcast out with something like running on 25 hours since I know your sleep schedule is absolutely obliterated right now with the, uh, oh, yeah. with the newest addition to the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Bucky, you didn't know this because you don't follow me on Twitter, but me and my wife had a baby boy oh, uh, I do in know you April. Have a, I do know you have a baby boy. Oh, you do? I know, you I do know, know this. Hey, look, I, I know all things. Just know, by it. I'm on it. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, the, it has been. Here's the good thing. He is now to the point uh, where he can sleep four hours straight. So that's that's oh, a win. That's, that's a, a, that's that a is, real that big a win. win. And if we time it perfectly – I can feed him and change him at midnight. He wakes up at four, and then we're good to go in the morning. That's the oh, that's, that's the kind thing? of the plan. Yeah, that, I mean that's 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 a pretty that's a pretty good plan. Yeah, I don't know how you how you swapping off the uh, feeding responsibilities? Like for there instance, were- if, you, if you're letting your wife do the feed at like eight or nine, and then you do the midnight, mm-hmm. and then she gets to four, she's probably very very happy. She gets yeah. like seven or eight hours. There were unfortunately times when he was on the three hour schedule that I was not waking up and I didn't realize you, it. Like whoa, she would try to, whoa, she mean, would try to, yeah, you she would not, you're sleeping through the, the baby, the baby's wailing and you're sleeping through it. You don't, you don't hear it. You don't uh, hear the baby morning, monitor. Go, oh go, my gosh. I go, you got up at, at, and changed him. She goes, yeah. She goes, I woke up and said like, all right, I'll get him. And two seconds later, it was. <laughs> oh, so I was, yeah, I was out. But he's on her side of the bed, so it's a lot louder. That's why. The bassinet's on her side of the bed, oh. not mine. But, yeah, I said, all right, yeah, oh. no, I'll, I'll get him. And then it was. Fire. Oh, Fire. I know. It happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs>
it happens. There was a little bit of guilt, but what counteracted it was I was well rested. So that was mm. that was at least that was that was good. No, wife's been a champ in all this. Uh, by the way, get David Gascon on Twitter at David J Gascon. All right, Clippers and Jazz tonight. Clips down o two. I get the sense that no one is worried about the Clippers. That like this is like the thing about them where we're like, oh yeah, they just. They're going to lose. Then they're going to even up the series, and then they're going to they're they're going to they'll, they'll win in Utah in Game Five, and then close it out in Game Six, or they'll blow Game Six and then go to Utah and win in Game Seven. But I I don't know if we're we're taking Utah lightly, or if we just think that this is who the Clippers team is that we just don't know. But I just don't get the sense that a lot of people are really worried about the Clippers right now, even with Utah up 2-0. Uh, you mean not worried about the Clippers coming back, or did not worry? Yeah, about the yeah, or down, yeah. Now the, the down o two, the Clippers being down o uh, two with the so, Jazz. So you think? So you think they can win four out of the next five? I think. Yeah, I get the sense, and I think I don't think mm. I'm the only one that thinks that. I like. I look at them losing the two at home to Dallas that they did, and then I had to go to Dallas and win the two. Is it, I think we're looking at it as that was much more of a tougher task than what the Clippers have ahead of them. And it's not meant to be disrespectful to the Jazz, who are a much more complete team and a better team than Dallas. But the Clippers are usually the team that we're talking about. And I just, I don't get a sense of urgency for tonight. But if it if they lose tonight, this series is over with. Like, there's no way that they come back from, from an 0-3 deficit. I just get a really just unique feel about this, that no one's really worried about the Clippers being down 0-2 to the Jazz. I, I I I would be worried. <laughs> You're in danger zone. Yeah, I would be worried because this team is uh, this Utah team is a much better team than the Dallas team. The Dallas team, I think, if you really look at it, the Dallas team was a one man show with Luka Doncic playing crazy, and then he had a a cast of role players that were hit or miss. Utah is different. Utah Utah has defense player of the year in Rudy Gobert. They mm-hmm. they have Spidey Mitchell who can go bonkers whenever. I don't know if there's a guy that can stay in front of him and keep him from getting to the bucket. And then the waves of reserves that they bring in that can shoot Jordan Clarkson being able to come in and hit big bombs. Uh, I mean, they're they're talented now. It's, it's, it's a different you, it's a different yeah. set of problems. You know, you have depth when you have two guys up for the sixth man of the year award. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, like I mean, that's and they had the winner in Jordan Clarkson, as you mentioned. Yes. Joe Ingles has been starting because Conley's a, been injured. Yeah, but. Ingles Ingles is a monster too. So I mean, you talk about. It's just different. Now. Yeah, they're much more balanced. I'm not. I'm not. I I like Utah. I mean, I, and I think that what they've done, we should take with what they've done. But I I also feel that people say like, look at the Clippers. They were a possession away uh, from from forcing an overtime in Game One and doing so on 48 hours rest after winning a big Game Seven, and then they ended up rallying and taking the lead in the fourth quarter before giving it away back to Utah in Game Two. I just get such a, there, there was such a panic. There was such a, a nerve wracking feel over the Clippers when they went down 0 2 that you're saying, is this it? Is this going to, they're going to break up the Clippers? Is Kawhi going to opt out and then leave and go somewhere else? And we're in the same, not exact situation because number one, the team is different, but also the location of those games uh, were different. But I just don't get the same panic that, that we had with Clippers Nation from the Dallas series to what is transpiring and what we're doing entering tonight. To me, it just doesn't, doesn't feel as pressing. And I just kind of think that everybody thinks that the Clippers are in a spot to just do their thing. 
when in a couple hours <laughs> that thing could be over if they don't win game three. Just a just more of a unique of a different sort of feel that I that I feel about this Clippers squad. I mean, I mean, I don't know. You you have more faith in them. I'm I'm worried about. I mean, I guess we we still call them playoff P, even though I don't know if he plays really great in the playoffs. But we'll say playoff P, Paul George. I don't know, man. I I just don't know. I don't feel great about this team. And to win four out of the next five, that's a tall task, man. They get tonight, and then you can even it up at home, and then who knows what happens in game five. But Clippers and Jazz uh, tipping off, uh, coming up, I believe, just uh, after the top of the hour, mm-hmm. 8 Eastern uh, or 8.30 Eastern, maybe the official start time. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Beyer. It is Fox Sports Saturday. Get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. All right, we found out what everybody's oldest piece of clothing is in their closet. How good do they work the old grill? We'll talk about that next year on Fox Sports Saturday. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last time that I checked my closet, I still have my 20-year-old sweatshirt. Uh, it is Fox Sports Saturday. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Beyer. You know what I love most about our how long, like what is the, if you're just joining us, we went around and talked about the lo- the oldest piece of clothing that you actually still kind of have in rotation that you wear. 
and I, and I mentioned a North Carolina sweatshirt that I had that I've had for 20 years, and I bring it up because Bucky's obviously a Tar Heel alum. But the best part about it as we were talking about it was your answer and Don Brown, our technical producer's answers, because you are so right. Don said that he had like a state championship shirt from like 2010, and you mentioned <laughs> you had Super Bowl 38 from the Patriots-Panthers. Like those event shirts are so difficult to throw away because it's not like you could just go and get a new Nike sweatshirt. Like you, 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 it's almost it, – it's it's like saving a part of your life. Like it is so difficult to throw one of those shirts away. So I totally get where you guys are coming from. I mean, it's Completely. tough Yeah, it's tough to part ways, even, even though like it's, it's a bittersweet uh, memory. You can't get go and get those things anywhere. Like, no. like if, if you decide, like, you know what? I would like to get that sweatshirt again. No, there, there, there's no coming back. Like, you have to earn those things. So um, it's tough. So it's just sitting there in the closet. Just sitting uh, in the closet. Just and the, and the oh, I, I, I love it. The And the, the old apparel company, like, it could be like a Reebok T-shirt. Oh. You're like, when did Reebok yeah. make Super Bowl T-shirts? You know, yeah. something like that. It's, yeah. Oh man! Remember when Reebok made NFL jerseys? Uh, did you I play during that time? Yes, I, I I did. It wasn't a great time. They're a much better place right now. Much better place right <laughs> now with Nike having to do. It wasn't a great time. Like I mean, if you notice back then, Dan, like nothing was tapered. Everything was big and boxy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not not the not the finest moment. <laughs> not the finest moment in NFL. Uh, oh man, some of those history. Puma made NFL jerseys once. Oh, I, don't there, I don't remember. Yeah, I remember. I th- yeah, I believe so. I, remember, I don't know if it was I remember, like, I remember Apex. I remember some of yes. those other uniforms and and those things. They were they weren't they weren't the greatest. You know? uh, now now Nike gives you a lot of the flexibility. Although the designs on some, I don't know. Like, you Arizona, Car- yeah, Arizona Cardinals need a new design. Like Nike needs to what, what update can, that one. What can they do? They have changed the bird. The bird is fierce now. Like look yeah, at his it eyes. is. It is it's more, a fierce bird. I would say le- I would say less is more in general when it comes to uniforms. So you talk about the Cardinals, man. Keep it simple: white pants, red jersey. Like mm-hmm. you don't need all those extra stripes. Vice versa, on the road. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. Hey, you want to wear your black uniform? Just make it all black. All oh. black, white numbers, red trim, white helmet. Hey, go. You don't have to do a lot. That's why I never understood it. Never understood why they go overboard. No, there, there may not be a worse idea than the Clippers in their black uniforms. Like I can, which, I cannot which, stand which, which black uniform because they got the LAC. The but one then they with, also have the one with the, yeah, uh, the San the Andreas or whatever. Yeah, yeah that yeah, sort of. Can, I don't like that one, and I don't like the one with the game of Tron in the logo. Uh, yeah, Remember do. Tron, where I you'd do. have to, I yeah, do. the arcade game I with do. the lines. I and do. You could, I didn't know the was, motorbikes. I didn't know it was popular enough to make a uniform after. <laughs> <laughs> Either I did. did I. I did. And I will say the uniforms uh, that I've liked in the playoffs that have emerged, I like the Atlanta Hawks MLK jerseys, the black with the gold trim. Sure. Um, yeah, those are they, yeah, those are yeah, sharp. When they made they made the court look like that when they were obliterating the Knicks one night. Like I was like, mm, that's a nice uniform. Yeah, because it's kind of a black or kind of like yeah. a gold accent to it yeah. as well. Yeah. The oh, jazz need, sharp. the jazz need to do away with those orange things that they were wearing the other day. <laughs> like, like what like what like what is that? Like what? You know, what is the point? That's the, you know what the it is. Range? Like I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, no. Well, it is because of like you know the 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 red rocks in southern Utah. It's also a a uh, temperature gauge. So it's sixty degrees, sixty mm. to seventy degrees is yellow. Mm. Seventy. And I'm making a joke. <laughs> I was like making a joke. I was like, I was like mm, whatever that is. Uh, like whoever designed <laughs> that and tried that, they can put that away. I need uh, Wayne, I need Dwayne Wade to do something about that as a as a co owner, minority owner, or whatever. I need him to do something with that. 
especially because their note in the purple and the green and yellow, and I know it's from New Orleans, but it just works well together. Uh, it's just so like, it's a, like yeah. it's a classic uniform from way back in New Orleans. They don't need to change it. Even the stuff they were wearing with Stockton and Malone with the mountain cap, oh. no, the snow cap mountains, boo, yeah. boo. The- <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a hot mess. Maybe go to the Darren Williams ones. You know, I didn't get to my grilling story, but who cares? It was dumb anyway. Bucky, it's been fun. We'll do it again Always. soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.